0: I thought I could be a turtle, but after coming on the show, I am. I, I'm a spike. I, I guess I'm always going to be a spike because I've never thought of any of these
1: things. Alright, we're going to have to name by by the way, this episode Lands Dirtle.
2: good evening and welcome to episode 49 of Horde of Notions I'm your host Chris, with me tonight we have the full complement of regular hosts First of all, as always, it's Adina
0: Hello
2: We have down in the deep darkness of Kentucky, we have Travis Hey, what's up? And of course the man, the myth, the legend, Three-Legged Will.
3: I actually won two rounds at GP Boston, I didn't have any buys So both of those wins were hard-earned
2: <laughs> Yeah, and how many of them were against 12-year-olds?
3: Uh, actually surprisingly all the twelve year olds crushed me. So the, the the two people I beat were like thirty plus years of age and anything under thirty I just got rolled.
2: I don't think you know what surprising means. <laughs> Joining us tonight we have an incredibly special guest, former player of the year, ProTor Stalwart, fan of Trading Posts. And quite possibly one of the funniest men on Star City commentary circuit. It's Mr. Brad Nelson. Brad, how are you?
0: You stop there. Come on. <laughs> Hello.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, at least you've never said anything about Eggy Weggies on camera.
0: I, I, I didn't even know the Eggy Weggies story. That that's actually kind of embarrassing. I'm not going to lie.
2: <laughs> oh, Adrian Sullivan. <laughs> no, that that was a thing that
0: happened. I mean, I, I like Adrian Sullivan, and, and I mean, commentary is kind of difficult. You spend like two whole days talking, and we all love talking, or we wouldn't do the job, but by the middle of day two, you have no idea what to say. It's actually just like you're processing a sentence, and it's just coming out. It doesn't really matter what you're going to say. You're just going to go for it and hope it, like, lands. And sometimes you just say really bad things. Like, I once called uh, a uh, three months of premium a trimester. Because it just kind of <laughs> kick kind <of> out. <laughs> I think I heard that one. It's it's actually made worse by the fact that
2: a lot of the commentators who are new to the box have very little legacy knowledge and Day 2 being legacy, it makes it sound even worse when the strange things come out.
0: Oh yeah. Uh, I I, I I didn't even play Legacy until this last one I did with JBL in Kansas City where it was the first time I did commentary and I actually played Legacy like 10 tournaments since, uh, since the last time I did commentary. So like it was just a way different experience. I actually knew what I was talking about and I felt confident and I didn't have to ask what card is that and what does it do every single time.
2: Yeah, that's that's always helpful because the trolls in the comment section, of course, will latch straight onto that. Oh yeah. Do you do you let that bother you? Do you watch the comments at all, or does any of that...?
0: Oh no, you, I mean, you, I, uh, I grew up really quickly in Magic, like, I was just living in North Dakota playing Magic, and then I went to my first, like, I went to a Grand Prix when I was, like, 18, but I went there just to, like, hang out with a friend that lived in the city. So I dropped when I was at X2 just to go out with him that night because that was my plan anyway. But then the first real GP I played was Seattle where I got, like, a feature match around five and then Pro Tour Honolulu where I had tons of, like, stuff. So I got thrown into that really quickly, uh, just being, like, uh, a name in the game. And the first six months was, like, pretty devastating, you know? Like, someone calls you fat. It's like, you don't even know me. How could you call me fat? And, you know, I feel really bad about it. And then I just learned that it's just a bunch of trolls on the internet. And now, I mean, you grow your skin pretty thick uh, dealing with magic trolls in comments. And I I feel bad for the women in the game because they have it harder than than the guys. But I'm pretty sure after six months, everyone's a veteran with with all the, you know, jerks of the game.
2: Are you suggesting there are trolls on the internet?
0: I do believe they are. I've spotted them a couple times. Wow. I know.
1: (laughs) What's the worst comment you've ever seen? yourself.
0: <laughs> so it's actually, it's not the worst, but it's the one that comes to mind, and I have a funny story. Do you guys care if I tell stories on this?
2: Go for it. Love okay.
0: it. Okay. So uh, one time, this was the middle of 2010, somebody called me uh, Brad Sausage Fingers Nelson. Because, like, <laughs> when I'm playing Magic with the camera, you know, only my hands are showing. And uh, I'm playing Gavin Verhey in, like, round 13 of Nationals. Uh, we're in a winning in. And I'm in an unwinnable matchup. Just can't win. This is 2011, actually, yeah. Uh, unwinnable matchup. And so uh, he's just sitting there. He's like, man, I'm, I'm glad we're on the, the uh, written coverage because if we are on the uh, the video coverage, you know, they'd be calling me so- so-and-so and you, Brad Sausage Figures Nelson. And I slam my deck on the table and I look at him straight in the face and I'm like, are you calling me fat? <laughs> and he, like, just bottles up, <laughs> Just shivers. And I think he, like, I got him off his, like, uh, even keel for the match, and I ended up taking it because he kept a loose one, and I ended up going on to make Top 8, but I, I, I don't know if that was a really good thing to do, but th- that's the line I took, and I'm, I'm proud of it.
2: The thing is, Gavin, I mean, I, I've met Gavin several times, and he's just such a mild-mannered guy.
0: Oh, he's the nicest guy ever, too, that's why.
2: <laughs> he just like he would never, ever do that.
0: Oh, God, no. <laughs> that's why I kind of felt bad about him. He's the one guy that would never offend someone else.
2: Yeah, for sure. So, Brett, I mean, everybody pretty much knows your story by now. You you came sort of roaring onto the Pro Tour scene, having dominated Modo. Yep. Uh, which which would you say you prefer? Like, do you prefer Moto grinding, or are you strictly preferring paper these days?
0: Uh, I definitely like playing paper more nowadays. And like, I'll play so if I can play test a tournament on Moto, I'll play it until about a week before the tournament. And then I want to get as much live in as possible just to, like, get my technical game crisp. Sure. But uh, playing real life, playing in the real life is way more interesting because there's a lot more levels um, of, like, reading your opponent, trying to get them to do a bluff, um, just trying to, like, play into certain things that you can't do uh, while you're just grinding moto. Because all you can really do in moto is just grind, play out the numbers. You can't really play the player. Sometimes you can, like, tap your mana and untap it to try to get them. But for the most part, it's not as good. But when I, now I'm sitting in Roanoke where there's, you know, 15 really good magic players that live here compared to North Dakota where I was the only one. Like, I had a couple friends that played, I would play M um, Because that's the one thing that, like, kind of gets missed in the story is, I was called a moto grinder, but I played real-life magic uh, during the weekends all the time. I just played magic literally 100 hours a week or whatever. I uh, sure. just couldn't stop playing, so, like, Modo was the only access I had when it was not FNM or a Saturday Win a Box or a PTQ or something like that. So, I mean, I've always liked real-life magic way more, and uh, I, I definitely like testing when I can get people to test, but not a lot of people just want to grind against my crazy decks. Like, why don't you play Delver against my crazy 5 control deck until I get a go? Not many people are interested in doing that, so I have to use Moto.
2: Yeah, I know that feeling very well. I mean, (laughs) our uh, our environment here is just as isolated. I live in Newfoundland. It's an island off the coast of Canada. We have about 300 active players in the entire province, which is uh, about the size of was about half the size of Texas. So we've got a huge a huge area for not many players, and we don't. Our first PTQ is next month. uh, Is in November. Sorry. So I know the feeling.
0: Oh, that's awesome! Though that they're they're giving a PTQ, so I'm assuming that so many people are going to travel. So it'll be like a really fun. Experience for everyone because you have to travel so far. To exactly.
2: Do it, yeah. We're expecting about a hundred people. Uh, the The poor old head judge is going to have a, a hard time with that because there's only three judges in the province and one of them wants to play. So. <laughs>
0: wow.
2: I wonder who that head judge is going to be. Oh yeah, me. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you don't even going to play
0: it.
2: Nope. <laughs> but that's fine. I'd rather see my players. You know, somebody's going to be on the pro tour. I mean, I can't. Uh, I can't be upset with that. That is true. So you mentioned you've moved to Roanoke uh, p- as part of Star City's plan to just dominate the market on pro players and level three judges.
0: Yes. Is,
2: is working for Star City as awesome as it sounds?
0: It, it is absolutely awesome. Like, I go in and do uh, content for them. Yeah. And so I'm running around getting cards, like, because sometimes, you know, I have, to, I have to build a deck, but I don't have the cards, I have to go get them. And it, it's just a candy land. Like, everyone works really hard because they're all doing something they truly love, like if you start judging, you judge because you love it. So then if you get to actually work on, you know, events logistics the entire time they love doing that. And uh, Evan runs the media department and so everyone that he has brought on is just unbelievably sweet and everyone has a ton of fun and it's a lot of people working hard but having fun while doing it and we all just like geek out about the nerdiest things possible um, all the time. Like, you'll see, like, you'll see three or four people hurtle around a computer, and then you just have to run into what they're looking at. Because you have literally no idea what it... It could be anything. It could be, like, a dip. <laughs> it could be a project. It could just be, like, absolutely nothing. I mean, I walked over, and it was, like, a cat video. And <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> but... Uh, I mean,
2: it sounds like, for one thing, you're working in an office with Ricky Hayashi and Ruben Bresler, which is a recipe for hilarity anyway.
0: Oh, yeah, and they work in two separate departments, so whenever you walk by each department, you know, that's happening. Uh, (laughs) So the whole building is filled with uh, awesome people, and uh, one of my favorites even is Matt Thorne. He's, like, quietly one of the people that actually works there, but he, like, fixes every problem. He's just the, the guy behind the scenes that does everything right. But he's hilarious, and um, he's just like them. But like, the magic community doesn't know that. Um, yeah. But he's just another person that's just unbelievable. They're like, I, I don't know. I love it. I, I, you know, somebody told me like back back when I was growing up, my parents told me to, you know, find something that you want to do, and when you wake up, you're happy to go do it, and that's every day. Like, I'll spend forty minutes extra at work just, like, hanging out or working on some project that I'm not even involved in, just because it's it's brainstorming and it's fun, so.
2: It it sounds a lot like uh, the people who work at Wizards.
0: Yeah, it it definitely has that feel. Like, I I went to Hasbro during the Community Cup, and it it felt a lot like that.
1: Um, I mean, I know
0: this project way better. Like, I know the setup and the people, so when I was at Wizards, it definitely felt more mysterious and more uh, bigger. But I don't even know if it was. It was just, uh, it was the experience of going there for the first time. Uh, they yeah. they definitely had more big uh, like sculptures of dragons and angels. We we don't have that <laughs> that high of numbers of those. Well,
1: That's just something well, you're gonna have to fix.
2: I know. I'm gonna
0: have to, I'm gonna have to pitch that to Evan.
2: I don't know. I think you might have a little trouble with that.
0: Yeah. Get <laughs> out the paper yeah. mache. You can do it. You can make a dragon. I am the least artistic person ever. So if anyone actually have, has seen uh, the Trainwreck Tuesday cartoon thing, has anyone seen that yet? Yes. Okay. Uh, I drew the fake. I should actually put that on the Internet, because Liz is the one that drew it. She's uh, the person that does all the sweet art for Star City. Like, my drawing was a stick man in a box. And I was like, this box is a train, and the stick man is me. And then she made it into that. <laughs> like, I, I have no artistic ability at all.
2: <laughs> yeah, she um, she also did the ending to the latest newsening. Uh, I won't spoil it for anyone who hasn't seen it. Oh, wow, well, yeah. But, but go to Star City and watch episode 11 <laughs> of Ruben Bresler's The Newsening all the way to the end. Good luck not wetting yourself.
0: Oh, this was by far his best uh, newsening. Like, yeah. I've I liked the news and some of them make me smirk, I might get a chuckle, but I was just lolling in front of my computer, and I hit re- repeat,
2: and I had to watch
0: it again. It was so good. This was
2: <laughs> by far his best. I hope they
0: all continue to be like that. He raised the bar, and he has to, he has to perform, because if it's not as funny, I won't watch anymore.
2: Yeah, absolutely. He's <laughs> set himself a high status there. Yeah. So, so part of you going to uh, Star City, seeing seen the formation of, of Star City Blue uh, with you, and, of course, Jerry Thompson at, at the front of that. What's that experience been like? Like, you've got a pretty uh, close-knit team of playtesters there, huh?
0: Yeah, um, a lot of them are PTQ grinders, and a lot of it is accessibility. And I wasn't uh, too happy with working. But by the end of Working With Channel, like, I just, you know, had some disagreements with some of the people, and I I don't really get uh, along well with some. I'm not going to say who, but I was really not happy working with them. And also, like, they, like... Brian Kibler is by far one of my favorite people on the planet, but he's the only deck builder, so if he doesn't come up with something sweet, it's mostly just, like, a metagame deck. Yeah. So uh, I was also moved to Roanoke, and I love Jerry. He's a good deck builder. We, we have the opportunity to work with MJ. I used to work with MJ. He was a great deck builder. And I just wanted to start working with people that can actually brew. Todd Anderson is also someone that's, like, quietly becoming uh, a better and better player. He has... Some tendencies to fall apart on day twos, but if you look at his uh, records, he's eight and one like every tournament, seven and one every tournament. But some mind block there. But he's awesome at building decks. So there's these people here that I can work with. They're friends. I go out with them. I can play test with them, and uh, hopefully the players that are still just like trying to get on and off the the uh, pro tour, can, we can finally stick them on. But the core is just Josh Cho, Jerry, and I, and. Uh, for now, I think that's fine. Uh,
2: isn't is BBD part of your team as well? Yes,
0: BBD is part of my team. Um, yeah. Oh, go on.
2: I was just going to say he's uh, he's showing some deck building chops recently as well.
0: Well, I I, I actually am kind of mad at BBD. <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh oh. He he did a playtest video with Todd last week, and he had my seventy five of my zombie list out of my article the week before, and I'm like, oh, he played my zombie list in this. I'll go check check out what he said about it. And he's like. Yeah, I found this deck in some daily, so I thought it would be worth a shot. And I was like, oh, that's mine. You should know this. You don't even read my articles, do you? That was a uh-huh.
2: Daggers. Yeah, I know, that's right? Daggers. <laughs> well, I mean, I know how that feels. Well, I know a couple of times I've come up with an idea. I mean, I'm a crazy brewer. I make Conley Woods look like friggin' Sam Black. It's It's scary. No,
0: no, we're going back. What what does that even mean? (laughs) It (laughs) means (laughs) I make very bad decks.
3: (laughs) There's actually a term for the decks he makes that they're so bad. Uh, Unplayable? No, no, see, what he does is the way he brews is Chris finds a really, like, a good deck or a pretty decent deck, and then he lands, it. So he basically <laughs> takes out he basically takes all the good cards, just gets rid of them. He's like, I have all these cards, I could play them, but I want to give myself a challenge. So like he replaces Snapcaster Mages with like Archaeomancers and it, has it just control balls yeah, from there. I,
0: I actually don't believe that that's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Archaeomancers I mean, are way too good.
2: I may <laughs> or may not have shown up at a tournament uh with three drug Skull reavers in my main deck.
0: Wait, what's a drug skull reaver?
2: Is
3: Jazz hands. Is
0: that... Oh, it's... it's no, that's the... seven the mana. mana. <laughs> that's the Sam Black card.
2: Oh, it's the uh, Ali and card, which I suppose is not exactly a, a recommendation of quality either, but... <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, mean, I,
2: I love Ali's decks,
1: but... <laughs> Chris is like yeah. Ali and with ADHD. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I mean, you have to have ADHD if you're going to, like, you know, keep changing decks until you find, like, sweet spots, right? Like... You can't you can't be content with, you know, just playing with So You gotta go bigger or smaller, like you gotta make tweaks, so
2: Well, this is it. I mean I write an article every week and I, I try and play a different deck every week to make it interesting for the readers. Mm-hmm. So after a while there's only so many Tier One decks in the format, you have to start playing Tier Five decks. Yeah, I
0: don't actually I don't believe that that's true. Um, I have written about trending post for about two months straight and I've been playing trending post streaming and I get way more hits and way more viewers when I'm just sitting there doing training posts. Maybe I'm just that guy. Maybe I just became that guy, though.
2: Well, plus, you are Brad Nelson. I'm not. <laughs> so, you know, might have something to do with it. But uh, with the with the team, like you mentioned that you've got a, a fair number of deck builders on the team. Uh, so ma- mainly the ideas, I would imagine, come from yourself, Jerry, and... Uh, and um, MJ, I would imagine.
0: Uh, well, MJ is now on the stream team. We did work with him for Barcelona. Sure. Um, and the the main ideas come from, uh, especially with modern, it'll be Todd Anderson and Jerry. They're they're way better in modern than I am. The problem with me with that group is something weird happened to be in May, and now all I do is just build these really wonky decks that destroy Delver. That's all I've been
2: doing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Which is not necessarily a bad thing, considering no. ev- it's everywhere.
0: Yeah, no, I think they're all fine, but everyone else just plays Delver, and I play these decks that beat Delver. So, like, at the invitation, I played Solar Frights, and the deck was just awesome, but I played the worst deck, imaginable for Legacy, and and just got stomped, so then I didn't actually have a tournament there. And Trading Posts, like the Green-Red version and this Jun version I'm working on, are actually very good against Delver, so I always play these really weird decks, so... I guess work with them is really good, but I guess I tighten up when it gets to the Pro Tour. Right now, I'm I'm as loose as it gets when it comes to playing Magic. I'll just play whatever I want.
2: (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, that's part of the fun, especially for things like FNM. I mean, at the Pro Tour level, obviously, you want to be playing a good deck. Well,
0: I'm doing this at Grand Prix (laughs) and opens, too. (laughs) See,
1: I always feel like I learn more about the formats when I play decks like that. When you see these weird ways to attack the established decks of the format.
0: Oh, for sure. I, I didn't even... Uh, one of the coolest things is I was playing uh, Reed Duke's R- Rug Ramtech deck in a playtest video with Jerry, and I tried Thrake Tusk, Cavern Souls, and I just kept the hand where it was Rampant Growth, Cavern Souls, three threat I'm like, yeah, we'll try it. Let's see what happens. And I rolled Delver. So ever since then, I've been putting Thraytusk Tusk, Cavern Souls in every deck I have. So I have, like, six decks that I'm actually playing with on motor right now, and they all have four cavernous Souls, four Thrag tusks, and none of the mana bases are remotely close to each other. Like, one's a five-color. <laughs> oh, and the other funny thing, here's here's the secret. I, I, I will leave some uh, secret tech with you guys before it gets anywhere else. Almost all of my decks have Vessel of Endless Rest now.
2: <laughs> yep, I've been on that card for a while. People look at me
0: funny. Yeah, I'm playing, like, four or five-color crazy decks with Vessel, and that's allowing me to play, like, Curse of Vessel, Thrag Tusk, Sun Titan, Desperate Raving, Phantasmal Image. And those are all on the same deck. <laughs> 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 Man,
2: Ravnica is just going to be like heaven for you. <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: I, I don't know what's wrong with me. I should probably go to the doctor and see if I have a tumor because I've been the biggest spike for so many years. And then after, Bar- after I got back from Barcelona, I, I played like the Grand Architect deck at the GP. Yeah. And ever since then, all I'm doing is just playing whatever I want. I don't get why I haven't played. I played Delbert a couple opens and it was boring and I didn't like it and I, I didn't feel natural, even though that's usually what I want to do. But now I'm under this challenge that it's like, I've been playing Magic for so many years. I want to win with, like, I want to Patrick in this. Like, I want to win with the cards that I want to play with. Because that's all he does. So
2: Yeah. He, and, and then he raps about it.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> so if to land um, still a deck is to make it worse, is to chape in a deck to make it more fun?
0: Uh, uh, to, no, to chape in a deck. Or just add like
1: two extra colors to it.
0: No, no, no. What chape in a deck is, is Chapin's like, hmm, this week I want to win with Jace the Mind Sculptor. And then he just builds a Jace the Mind Sculptor deck, even if it's not good. Or he's like, this week I want to win with Grave Titan. And then he just builds a deck around Grave Titan. Like, it's not good enough to win a tournament. Um,
1: you have I'm to sorry, tournament. You, you lost me when you said Jace the Mind Sculptor and not good. <laughs>
0: well, I know. I, I, that was a stretch. I apologize.
1: I mean, yeah, it
2: is actually the best card ever printed, maybe.
0: Oh, by far. I, I, I can't see it. I mean, if you look at all the different angles, it's by far the best card ever printed.
2: So when you when you brew a deck, what's your? do you have a set process? Uh,
0: yeah, it, you have to... The biggest thing that I, I find flaws in deck building is you have to figure out the turn of the format. Like right now the turn in standard, which is kind of disgusting, is one and three. Those are the two turns in the format. Those are the turns where you have to decide if you uh, can interact with your opponents. So for example, that those are the two ter- turns right now. Uh, they're unique turns because it's 1 and 3, but, like, turn 1 is where all the decks have their, like, iconic spell. It's either Delver, Glistener Elf, um,
1: Birds oh, of paradise.
0: paradise, Birds of Paradise, Ponder, things like that. Like, that's where people are setting up their draws and setting up their plays. So, you... And then 3 is, like, Birthing Pod, Geist, uh, Wild Defiance, things like that. There's a lot of 1-3 decks. There's not a lot of, like, high decks. So you want to build your deck that you can... in that you will odds are interact favorably on these turns. And Standard's actually a really bad one because it's so hyper-aggressive because of, also, I forgot, Message or colour. All, all these decks have these, like, one- and three-drops that are really important. And I, I like it because Wizards does this every single year where they switch where this is at to make Magic interesting. And a lot, not a lot of people actually think of Magic in this way. But if you look back uh, to last year's Standard, it was actually two four six. There was Squadron Hawk, Stoneforge Mystic, Jace the Mind Sculptor, El- Elspeth, uh, and then Titans. And those were the the big turns of all all the games. And now they're switching to one three five, and then in two years they'll go back to two four six. And it's just this like minor change of what the most powerful cards are every year. So it just like makes Magic interesting without you actually knowing that they're doing anything. So for example deck building. I'll get back to deck building. Um, I, I start a deck, like, example, for Standard, beating Geist and Delver. You have to beat both of them. So, if you can't race them, or, or play the same cards, uh, I, I move to adding Whip Player to any deck. I need to play a deck that can play four Whip Players, because not only can it beat Geist and Glistener but it can beat Delver and uh, some of the zombies and things like that. Like, it hits the most important cards in the format. And because you're able to use Whip Player to deal with a lot of these early creatures, you don't have to invest as many slots into that. So then you can build a top end that also deals with guys. So that's where three Tusk comes in. So every deck that I'm playing right now is playing Thraic Tusk Whip Player because they answer they both answer Delver, which is the most popular deck, and they both um, are good in different matchups. If that makes any sense. Does it? Should I break it down better than that? Oh, no, makes that makes plenty of sense. Okay. Yeah, like...
2: I mean that's why mental misstep I suppose is actually starting to see more main deck play right now because it handles everything that can happen on turn one.
0: Exactly. Yeah, because turn one is now becoming the most important turn in, in standard. Um, no, I, I find it I find uh, the deck building process really interesting. Like, um, for example, I played a five color deck that has a mana base. That's a throwback to the old Jerry Thompson um, invitational deck where he ran what's that land called?
2: Shimmering Grotto? Shimmering
0: Grotto, exactly, yeah. And the most interesting thing about this deck that I'm building is, because it's a vessel of endless rest, it's kind of like pr- uh, Prismatic Lens, or not Prismatic Lens, the the Prismatic 3 manic thing. Uh, What's the one that everyone plays that pr- gains a life? Oh, uh, Pristine R- Pristine. Pristine, that's it, yeah. I'm really bad with card games, even though I've played them forever. <laughs> but uh, because you're Shimmering Grotto and an Acceleration on three, you don't really want four drops. And I geek out about that kind of stuff
1: because you'll never
0: like effectively play a four drop in the deck. So all your deck is in two two and fives, and it makes perfect sense why it's doing that. Because uh, if mm-hmm. you need to cast your mana out with Shimmering Grotto, you do that on turn three. So like you want to run a bunch of Whip Flares, Images, Desperate Ravings, things like that. And then on turn three, <coughs> you run a couple of Living Rings and a, like, a couple of Friven but then you Vessel, so then you untap, and then you, then you have access to five mana and perfect mana. So you don't really need four. So you never need four, so you just want a bunch of twos and fives. Uh, and then and then those are the smoothest draws. So for every five drop you want to play, you want like 2.5 two drops, or like two two drops and a three drop. And then you'll like more consistently cast all your spells, even though you're a five-color control deck. But the more, the more you add in the middle ground, like the four drops and the three drops, the less consistent you'll actually be, because you're not letting your shimmering grottos uh, be effective on the turns that they're most important to be effective.
2: You know, I've done something in the order of 150 podcasts with a, a tremendous range of people, and that is the first time anyone has explained that particular theory to me. What theory? The, the whole fundamental turn, and like, if you've got mana rocks at three, you don't want to play your key spells at four. Like, that just makes perfect sense, but I've never heard it explained oh. like that before.
0: <laughs> well, thank you.
2: <laughs> wow. Um, see, that's, this is why I love doing this. You learn something every day. So you are now... You've started this Trainwreck Tuesdays thing that you mentioned before. Uh, perhaps some of our listeners might not have caught that. What's that, uh, what's that all about?
0: All right, so the background to it was ever since Minneapolis, the GP where I took second with um, the Grand Architect deck, and I just went there to have fun, I didn't even care about doing well, and I ended up um, taking second. I've been just wanting to have more fun with Magic. I spent so much of my time getting good, and and it paid off in 2010, but I was doing the same things in 2011, and variance wasn't on my side. Because one thing is, I, I'm good at Magic. I, I'm not, like, one of the best players in the world. And I wasn't in 2010. I, I was probably playing way better than I do now, but I was also getting very lucky. If you look at my stats, I I made top eight of Nationals in 2010 not playing a, a real deck. Like, I wasn't playing a real deck in 2010. It was like this dredge by deck. I took ninth in a Grand Prix. Somebody got DQ'd, I took eighth. I took eighth <laughs> on tiebreakers in DC and won the event. Um, <clears throat> the two Pro Tours, I, I, you know, I deserved top-ending those, but a lot of the Grand Prix points I got pretty lucky to get them. So, then 2011 came, and I actually had, like, this horrible run of luck, where every round one of every Pro Tour I played, a deck that didn't exist in the metagame game, but was the perfect answer to what I was playing. It happened all four tournaments. It was unreal. Um, Going up to Chapin, playing five-color control with Ancient Grudge Main when he drew it against my tempered steel deck. (laughs) You know? Like, it was just horrible.
1: That sounds fair.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and he's like playing it magic. I'm like there's not even any artifacts in the format. Like no one's playing artifacts. What are you doing? But uh so I, I started to not like magic. I like producing content, but that was even going downhill. I just was not happy with magic. And once I would grow it start building back up and I I'm starting to love magic and I've taken it down a different avenue. I I love being competitive, but I also miss just having fun and doing just dirtily things and enjoying, like, the fun cards. So the first train wreck was last week, and the reason... Oh, sorry, I guess I'm not telling the story. I just r- was really excited to say something, because I'm excited about Magic Games. Like, I cast Prototype Portal and put Mind Flavor under it. Yeah, <laughs> Like, it was so sweet. But uh, a couple weeks ago, I got addicted to... This is before I start streaming again. I got addicted to Day9. I, I didn't even know who he was. I read something that he wrote, uh, like, a year ago, but I, I never, like, investigated him. And I was just, like, on the internet, and I saw a Day9 video, and I was like, wow, this guy's awesome. I used to play StarCraft before I played Magic. I have no idea about StarCraft 2, like, what's happening. But he was so infectious and so funny that I kept watching, and I watched, like, I don't know, 15 hours of his stuff, and then Lord Lee is my roommate, and she's like, "Well, have you watched this on this episode?" I'm like, "I have no idea. I have never talked. You're the first person I talked to about day nine with." And she's like, "Yeah, that's like this iconic episode that every gamer should watch." And I watched this video, and I'm not gonna lie, like I haven't cried in years, and I was like crying. I had chills because his story was like paralleled mine. He had a brother that played the game. There was ups and downs. There was supportive family. There was times where I stayed home and my brother went to the tournaments and he he got to go and his brother stayed home and there was calls between rounds and you know like always being supportive with each other and the whole story was just amazing and it kind of like changed something in me where like magic doesn't have that kind of an impact on streaming yet there's like Day9 is doing it with StarCraft there's people that do it with League of Legends but with Magic all people really do is just sit there and play magic, and it's like, alright, well, I guess I feel like streaming this daily. Alright, I'm streaming, guys. And they just sit there, and they're not entertaining. They try to be entertaining, but it's just plain magic. And I don't know what I want it to be yet, but I want to start showing people in the magic community that it can be done in a different way, just like Day9 or other people. It'd be hard to be as good as Day9, because the guy's actually amazing. If if you guys personally, or anyone that's watching this, or listening to this, hasn't ever seen it, go watch the... uh, just YouTube day 900th episode. It, it's the most inspiring thing about gaming I've ever seen.
1: I can definitely put that in the show notes. Yeah, I'll put a link. Oh, in the yeah, show. It's,
0: it's so amazing. And I want to, like, try to figure out uh, the best way. But anyway, so I, I started this thing called Trainwreck Tuesdays that I just play fun decks with different restrictions against competitors. And the first episode I did with a bunch of my friends... And the second episode is going to have uh, the fans, and they're actually coming in, and I have a bunch of people that are going to show up, and hopefully it's a good show. The restriction last week was uh, you can't attack um, at all. So, like, there's no combat. So we all had to win without combat. What did I call it? I, I forgot what I actually called it. Um, it was called Keeping the Peace, because a Peacekeeper. And it was really fun, and I, I was a Mindslaver combo deck, and I, like, mindslaver two people with their own combos, and the funniest thing is I was telling people in my stream about before I did the show, I was like, Alright, this is my idea. If you guys want to help me, I want to try to create this sweet show because I wanted to bring a new light to like the casual side of magic for streaming. That there's none on there. There's there's some people that are trying but they don't have like the fan base or the market to actually push it out there and I I want to put some uh, light on that. And I want to put a light on that and maybe, like, show that there's a market for this so then other streamers can come on and, sh- and start doing the casual stuff. So if I can use my popularity in the community to show that there's streaming happening for the casual players, then maybe this can become something in the future. And I might not be the right person for the job. I'm trying. But anyway, I'm, I'm telling this to my fans, and I did this at, a, like, a peak hour when there's an open and a GP going on, so the people that actually came and watched me stream were, like, my diehard fans that would be more willing to help me out. So I had, like, around, like, 250 people watching me, and I was telling them all this, and one of them was like, you know, get DZY, he uh, built this door to nothing in a second, it was sweet. And so I, like, message him, and he goes, well, it was a draft, but I'd be interested in helping you out with this. And I was like, all right, like, That's cool. So I didn't really know what to expect, but I played against him. He was, like, the third opponent of mine, and he just demolished me with a Birthing Pod. Like, the deck was so sweet. It had Primal Surge. Uh, That's the uh, 10-mana card, right?
2: Yep. Primal Surge,
0: (laughs) and he, like, milled himself. It was the same strategy of, like, milling yourself to use Deceiver, XR, to untap your your Door to Nothingness, and he killed me on, like, turn seven. It was, like, really awesome. I had a ton of fun doing it. And uh, I had JBL, one of my best friends, and the old building on a budget writer. He was one of my opponents. AJ was another streamer. Um, Drew Levin, a lot of my friends just wanted to help. I, I was telling the ideas to everyone at Star City. They all wanted to pitch in. I got some help with, like, some designing logos and lighting. Like, the community pitched in here. The is starting to pitch in online. And now I feel like I've started something that I have to make sure to follow through with and try to make as as wonderful as possible, so I spent some of today, like, getting next show ready, as well as um, brainstorming on doing more things that are different than just playing Magic while streaming, which I think is great, and there's, there's, there's a demand for that, but it's so much similar to just regular content that is just pushed out there in our game, uh, is amazing, and I love Magic. But the one thing that it, it has so much content on the internet that goes up daily on all the different websites, but there's so little like streaming. The streaming, Shaz, the pro tour and the the opens and things like that. But other than that, we have a couple people that stream every once in a while, but it's kind of, it's dead compared to how big it should be and how and how awesome it could actually be. So I'm, I want to step forward with Trainwreck Tuesday and a couple other projects that uh, once I figure out the schedule of Trainwreck Tuesday and uh, can like whittle out the extra hours of prep work that has to go into it, I want to start doing a couple other projects that are going to be more casual slash new player friendly because sure. uh, there's not really anything on Twitch that actually like does these kind of things. So, and hopefully, I mean, my end game with Trainwreck Tuesday is to not be the next day nine, but to let the actual next day nine have the confidence to start doing it. So hopefully there's enough demand to for the people that are actually trying to do this and trying to succeed on the more casual side uh, to show them that they can do it and, and not only build the fan base for them, but to give them the confidence to actually go out and, and try to achieve this. Because I think it's a wonderful push for Magic, uh, we have a lot of stuff for the the newest and new players with like duels and the planeswalkers and things like that and we have all the content on Star City and all the other websites but we, there's this big gap in the middle where all these fun players just want to do cool stuff and enjoy that and, and EDH in their local card shop seems like the only place that they actually have access to do something with that so
2: well that's pretty much our target market I mean we are aimed at the, the player who plays M and you know, when they go to a GP or a PTQ, yes, they're going to be competitive, but they want to have fun in the meantime. Well, and I have a, I don't I have think a question about
3: in... the Trainwreck Tuesdays. I'm sorry
0: to interrupt you, Chris, but um, before we get on to the next topic, um, I was just curious, with the Trainwreck Tuesdays, are you recording those streams and then putting them up on YouTube afterwards so that, you know, people that maybe missed the stream or, you know, couldn't make it can see it later and also to get it more of a following because people will see it and, and the more people will watch it? I actually haven't put it on YouTube yet. That's probably a good idea. Right now, it's just sitting on my Twitch page. I guess I could put it up on on YouTube. I want to try to get a couple down and figure out the flow that I'm trying to accomplish before I go bigger with it. These first couple are a test. Like, this first one was fun, but there's a couple problems with it, and I, I kind of want to keep the the project close at home until I throw it out there because I want it to be so good that when... Uh, these these players that don't even know anything about Brad Nelson or competitive Magic or streaming actually just go and see it. That it's a product they want. They're very interested in. I don't know if that's a good way to look at it for myself. Maybe I should just throw it out there, regardless. But I'm really hard on myself when it comes to projects like this, and I, I'm kind of a perfectionist. So I was happy with it and I loved it, but I was also I saw all the errors that I had while making it, and I just want to continuously make it better before i go bigger if that makes any sense
2: oh yeah absolutely uh, and i think there's not enough content aimed at that market right now i mean like i was saying we do it with with our podcast there's plenty out there for the tournament players there's even a lot for the kitchen table players it's the ones in the middle that get missed and it sounds like that's the, the market you're aiming for right now
0: well this is very kitchen table ish but for the people that are actually going out there and know where to find it And and the other thing that i want to start doing i haven't started it Um, and I haven't even said it to the public, but I want to start something that is targeted towards the players that need to learn the basics that you miss. So often you will, like, go to Star City Games and it's the highest technical um, content or the other websites, but there's, like, the basics that get missed, kind of like how I was talking about the twos and the fives or building a mana base, things like that. So that's the next project I'm going to start working on where it's, like, an hour segment about doing like the very basic things that you would do when you play magic.
2: For sure. That that would be excellent cuz like yeah. you said there's there's not anybody really doing that.
0: Yeah, no. There isn't and I think there's a demand for it, but no one's really just stepped forward and done it. And the the big inspiration for me to do it is watching a lot of Day9 stuff. He he's just awesome like if I'm not if I'm just playing Magic and I'm not streaming and I'm not doing other work, I'm watching something that he has done. I'm addicted to him for the last three weeks. I've probably watched a hundred hours of his stuff all my free time. Like even when I'm doing work, I'm watching his stuff. It's 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 kind of sad that people are like, Hey Brad, do you want to go out and grab a couple beers and hang on? I'm like, No, I need to watch this Funday Monday from like September of like two thousand eleven. <laughs> I'm sorry. And this is this is more important right now. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. So, I mean, yeah, I, I
2: can't agree with you more on the on the streaming thing. I mean, Cedric Phillips has been saying a lot of the same thing, uh, and I think even like uh, AJ Sagar was was the one who really brought streaming to the forefront a few months ago, or even a, about a year ago now, I guess. Yeah, I, and
0: I, I I was streaming for a couple months at the beginning of this year, but I didn't really like it. There wasn't the reason I didn't like it, it was kind of boring, and I was just playing Magic. I was doing the same thing that I could be doing at the time with Star City. I was doing the the weekly moto videos. And it's like, well, I'm just doing this anyway. And there wasn't a big following. And I, I went and reloaded everything on Sunday during the WMCQ or WMC. And I got like 1300 people watching me within two hours of the first time I started streaming in like six months. And the biggest number I got before that was 700. So I was shocked that there's this, there's so many people that are out there watching streams now that with that much of a demand, the players and the people doing it should step up and try to find the a better formula to get the, the word out and to entertain the people that you know want to find the entertainment that's that's deserving of such a broad audience.
2: Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. And you have the name value that people want to watch what you do. So people like you and I mean Kibler is the only other one who's getting stupid numbers. And you both have the advantage of having a ton of of charisma, which is really important for these streams. Uh, Another one I've watched a few times, who seems to have a unique thing going, is what John Laux is doing with his community drafts.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, I actually don't know anything about that.
2: So, basically, what he's doing is he has... Somebody has written him a script for the Twitch TV chat where they all type in what he should pick and the script aggregates the answers and he goes with the most popular response. Oh, wow. So, I mean, it's the ultimate audience interaction. You're not going to get much much better than that. No. So, it's been really popular, but, I mean, as, as big as limited resources is, I mean, he, he's on there with Marshall every week and, I mean, he's a fairly well-known PTQ grinder. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have the name value that someone like yourself has. So... He, he he needs to get that out there, but that sort of idea is what Magic Streaming really needs in order to get to that next level.
0: Oh, for sure. And I think with the bigger names, if they're pushing uh, the right way and doing it the, the right way, it's going to benefit everyone. So uh, that's pretty much what I want to do. I want to come in and work on this for the next year and try to see if something can get made happen to where... Uh, people like John Locks will just get a bigger audience and people will start going to watch magic streams in their afternoons just for enjoyment and have a good time because it does seem that if your name doesn't, uh, you know, have some stigma attached to it, then no one's going to watch it. And I, I don't actually think that's a correct way to do things. John Locks is awesome. He should he should definitely be getting more viewers. He should be getting as as close to me as possible. Like, I don't get why people, just because my name is Brett Nelson, want to watch me play Trading Post or my five-color Control Ridiculous decks. I mean, I understand a little bit, but I feel like someone like John should definitely get a bigger crowd. Someone like AJ should. As long as they're trying to push the game in a unique way with streaming, and I know John Locks definitely is with that idea. That sounds amazing.
2: Yeah. Uh, then I might have something to do with his music choice, though.
0: Oh yeah, you can't do. You got to do subtle. If you're gonna play music, you have to play subtle music. I, I'm lucky in that that I really like like Broken Bells and The Shins, uh, Emotion Heap, like bands like that. And so they don't like pollute the noise or the air when uh, people don't like them. Like they're just chill and they're they're calm. Like I, I listen to Cedric's... Cedric is like a 13 year old girl. <laughs> he is. Well, just wait he's... till I do my
1: country music stream.
0: Hey, I'm from North Dakota, buddy. I, I can handle some country. Uh, no thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Drag I, uh, I here, my beer. <laughs> I, can't, I can't
2: complain about Cedric's because he plays a lot of wrestling themes, yeah. and I'm a big wrestling fan. So. He plays
0: wrestling themes? Oh, man. Yeah. Isn't everybody?
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, unfortunately not. Fans? So you, you mentioned uh, some people with stigma attached to their name, which is a, a nice little lead-in to the question that I'm sure everybody is waiting for us to ask.
0: What's that?
2: We, we need some scumbag stories, Brad. Oh, God.
0: <laughs> oh, man. Really? I, I listened to, so real quick, uh, I'm, just, I'm just, you know, delaying the inevitable right now. But uh, I, I listened to some of your podcasts um, when you invited me onto the show. I don't really listen to many podcasts but I want to be part of the community as much as possible. And the funny thing is no one asked me to do these, but I love them until I started streaming. And then you and a couple others have now asked me to jump on their, their podcast. And I, I don't get why, like, I'm assuming that you either forgot about me or people don't think people are tangible. What, what is it? I'm actually curious (laughs) about that.
2: Well, I mean, I don't know why we never thought to ask you before. I mean, obviously you were a name, but there are a lot of names out there who I just figured would say no. I mean, we had John Finkel on. I asked him because I actually used to play magic with him uh, when I first started about 15 years ago. So I knew him. Uh, we asked Flores on because one of the first hosts we had uh, knew him. We had Conley on because uh, we I used to do, and Adina did as well, we used to do Monday Night Magic with him. So the names that we've had on, we actually had previous contact with. Sure. So I mean I guess it was just a case of we thought you'd say no <laughs> I don't
0: know I guess I mean most most magic players are pretty tangible if they have extra time they'll probably do it but I'm just it was funny because I started streaming and then more and more people were asking I'm like yeah I want to get like I want to get my brand bigger I want your guys to get bigger I just want to promote the game I mean that's why I'm doing this I would go work in an office if that's really what I wanted to do but um but okay fine I'll 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 tell the story man I hate telling <laughs> stories like this. I've distracted long enough, but uh, oh, that—that that was my point. You guys, I tricked you too with ghost account. I was so happy that that makes five people that have like commented on the training post deck from ghost account. That was actually me. <laughs> I had so much fun with that. It was even on the Magic show. I I was like sitting by Evan, and I watched the show, and I was like, oh man, that's ridiculous. <laughs> like I got him, and he he works with me. But so we mentioned it on one of our casts, did we? Yeah, you mentioned the green white green white trading post deck. That deck is god awful, by the way. Uh, that ghost account out with, and everyone's like, I, "Someone was like, I want to play with that deck," and I was like, "That deck is terrible," and it was mine. And so many people were <laughs> like, "Brad Nelson should check this deck out," and I was like, "I actually built it." <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. I, I didn't even notice the
2: connection. I mean, I remember when you revealed that you were ghost account. Yeah. But I'd completely forgotten that. Oh, wow, I feel stupid now. Well, I mean, there's no reason I should, I guess.
0: Yeah, but uh, anyway, scumbag story. You guys ready for the best one I've got? Sure, hit Uh, me. All right, the the lead-in is this player tried cheating me in a pro tour as well as stealing my Grand Prix deck in the same 24 hours. (laughs) So that must have been in Paris, wasn't it? It was. uh, Yeah. Uh, Day 2 of the Pro Tour, I play against Michael Posgay, yes, we all know he is a wonderful human being, no, you will not be getting dirt on the big names of the game this is one that already has a bad name and for good reason, he actually we're playing, and he, there's a loot effect in limited, and he loots and he draws a card, and he just sits there for like 3 minutes, and I'm like, dude, take your turn and he, do, he doesn't do anything, and I'm like alright, I'm going to call a judge, and he goes alright, fine, go, and I'm like okay, I, I'm calling a judge now <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> my opponent didn't discard his loot effect, and then he just concedes after that, because he's dead to the swing back. I don't even know why he kept the card, he just, like, he, he's a compulsive cheater. Even if he's going to lose, he had to still cheat to get some value out of it. Because uh, the card he discarded, and nothing in his hand did anything. So,
1: I may have lost, act? but at least I screwed Brad Nelson over and kept that card. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: I, I have no idea. But then the next day, we are in... Man, you guys do this? This... Our community is way too small for you to do scumbag stories. I guess no one really brings up high-profile names. Is that what it is?
2: Most of the time, people just tell the stories without leaving putting in the names, unless it's somebody that already has a bad oh, name. Oh, okay. Sure. Basically like you've done. So,
0: <laughs> Yes. But uh, So then on the next day was the first uh, day of the GP, and I had to play the playoff. So I had my dad and my stepmom there and my brother... And I play the playoff and I win, so then I have to do the uh, player of the year video with Rich and BDM. So I give all my stuff to my brother and my dad. Like it, it was my 12 pack sealed, my standard deck, my and my sealed deck for the GP because we actually built our sealed pools the night before because we had to play in this. So we played during the buys in the in the building. So I go and do the interview and I come outside of my brother is like fuming and there's kind of something that went down. And what happened is. My brother, like, put all of the decks that I don't need anymore in my dad's, like, thing, and he just had my steel pool, which was god-awful, by the way. It was horrible. I lost, I went, like, 0-2 drop. Um, it was just bad. It had 13 hill giants. They were two threes or three threes or three twos. It was bad. It was horrible. The pool was just god-awful. I had, and one of them was a uh, scrap melter, and that was it. But my brother sets the deck down on the... Like there are steps behind him, and he just set it down to go do something, or like turn around, and, and it's a circle of friends plus Pazgay, and my brother turns around, and the deck is gone, and he looks and he sees Pazgay's bag, and he's like, "Dude, that's 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 mine," and Paz like, "Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know whose it was," and my brother's like, "You know, bull huckle. I don't know. I'm not gonna swear. I don't. I don't know a good way to to, to change that bull stuff," and he like freaks out on him and calls him a lot of names, and then I see Pazgay, like, a week later, two weeks later in a tournament, and he's talking to Tom Martel, and they're the only ones outside, and Tom's like, I go walk a, a different way, and Tom's like, yo, buddy, why aren't you coming over and talking to me? And I'm like, well, I, I don't talk to scumbags, I actually use that word, so it's funny to use it, too. And Tom Martel looks at me, looks at Pazgay, looks at me, and then just shrugs and walks over to me. <laughs> <He> <laughs> just, like, evaluate the situation, like... All right, I guess I'll trust you. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, well, it doesn't take a lot of trust. It's not a huge leap of faith to figure out who he was talking about there, right?
3: Like,
0: no, but it was, it, it was more like, does he want to defuse the situation, or
3: just yeah. you know
0: burn that bridge with that with just what I said? So he decided that that was a true friend, but uh, and then he obviously denied it, and I was just like, dude, like my dad was there. <laughs> like, <laughs> what are you trying to? do? right now. My father was in front of you when he tried stealing from me. Oh, and man.
2: Uh, you got to have a serious set to try that, right? Uh, <laughs>
0: it's pretty ridiculous. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that that is my favorite story because of just the setup, where somebody tried cheating me in a Pro Tour and stealing from me in a Grand Prix in the same 24 hours. No one else can say that.
2: Did you, at any point, uh, play against uh, world-famous uh, creative manipulator of the truth, Alex Bertoncini?
0: Alex Bertoncini, I never got the opportunity to play against him, but I went to one open. I was in LA. I don't like telling these stories. These are bad. I'm not <laughs> that guy, man. You're making me that guy and I don't want to be that guy.
2: <laughs> uh we'll let you off with this last one, because everybody wants to hear it.
0: Oh you oh you I need to hear it? You need alright, fine, fine. <sighs>
1: fine. We have drawn so, it out of you the-
0: I went to the L.A. Open and I was there just to hang out. I went to Las Vegas for fun; it was vacation. And then there was an Open, and I was just going to fly home from Vegas, but some people talked me going to L.A. And I hung out with, um, with Luis and Jerry and Gabe Walls for a while, and then we went to the Open. And I got horribly sick that weekend, but I O two dropped because I was playing some abomination Jerry handed me. I wasn't playing; I didn't play match for two weeks, and it was like. During the season where Cobblade was changing colors every week. Oh, yeah. So I just played Jerry's new version. It was terrible. And <laughs> I owed to it. And I was like, well, that sucks. And I just like watched Bertoncini in the feature match area. And his, and this is like right when a new set came out or some, or new deck design, whatever. So his opponent goes, I'll archer your precursor golem. And then I'll archer your precursor golem and deal you 12 damage and kill you. Well, that doesn't work. But. <laughs> Burton Cheney thought it did, and he just scooped all of his cards up. So he has 60 cards in his hand right now. And some bystander's like, that doesn't work. And, and, and Burton Cheney kind of looks around, and he just starts putting his board position back together. And it's really hard to tell what was what. And the judge was just, like, telling him that that doesn't work. And by the time it happens, like, like the board's back together. <laughs> and, and even though that's not how the rules work, it is the rule that if you put all your cards into one pile, you have conceded the game. Regardless. Like, there's no way to, to move that back. And the other thing that's funny is, there's no way to tell if he, like, drew extra cards or put extra lines to play or his mana around. Like, it's just way too messed up to the point where, you know, that was a concession, but he just did that, and I was like, man, that's the first time I've ever interacted. Like, I've never even talked to this kid, and I saw him do that, and then you know, he was on my, you know, crap list after that.
2: Not to mention the fact that, like, if, uh, if I see that as a judge, and I say, you know, that doesn't work, and the guy just doesn't even question me and starts putting his cards back, I'm like, and you knew it? Let's go to uh, talk with the head judge and see if you're going to continue playing today. Because that sounds incredibly suspicious to me. To so just put your ball back together? Yeah, to, like, not even question it. To like you make a play, the judge says that doesn't work. You don't even
0: ask why. You just... Accept well, it, no, 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 no. The thing is, is the archers were anti Alex. Like his opponent, uh, his opponent was casting archers on his precursors.
2: Oh, okay. So he,
0: yeah, he thought he was dead, but he still conceded by scooping all of his cards up and putting them into the same pile. So it would it'd be kind of just like this really awkward thing where he lost and it'd be bad for Alex. But at that point, you have conceded. Like, there's no way to backtrack that. Yeah. Like, none. there's no way to. So putting back your board, regardless of if, you know, for one, you should have known the rules, especially if you're going and traveling all the time. And the other is you made a mistake, just take the game loss. Like, that's something I would never even dream of trying to do um, if if I didn't know that that's how the rule works. So I saw that, and that that isn't, like, him intentionally trying to cheat. It's just him, you know, showing his range of, of scumminess.
2: Wow. Yeah, okay, excellent. We're going to give you a little bit of a of a break talking there, Brad. We're going to get Will to give us a quick recap of his amazing performance at GP Boston, which should take all of five minutes.
0: <laughs> all right, let's do it.
2: <laughs> so, Will, I hear you played in the GP.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, eight, ra- eight rounds in the GP. I couldn't stand the ninth round.
2: <laughs> Good sticking with it, buddy. Two and six, get there. Actually, you,
3: you know... No, I actually I actually went two and six. My, like, I couldn't build a deck out of the pool that I had. But what's funny is for round seven and eight, uh for round seven, my opponent showed up late. So, like, he gets a game loss, right? And he's like, we'll call a judge over. And I'm just like, you know, it's like round seven. I really don't care at this point. I'm like, don't bother with the judge. We'll just play it out. You know, who cares if you don't get a game loss? So I win game one. So, yeah, had he got the game loss, like, I would have won that round. But then he won the next two rounds, so I was like, I was like, Car- Karma's probably just trying to like kick my butt right now. Like I probably did something that was wasn't too cool. So I'm like, all right, that's fine. So round eight, uh, my opponent shows up, so we both start shuffling our decks, and like she's shuffling it so I can see the bottom card, and I just kind of point out, I'm like, there's a Delver's Secrets at the bottom of your deck. She's like, "What?" I was like, "Yeah, that, that's not a sealed deck. That's a standard deck." <laughs> so, like, she and she, like, she just looks at the bottom card, and she's like, "So she starts going through the deck, and she's like, goes through it a second time. And she's like, oh my God, you're right. I forgot, my, I forgot my deck in my
1: room.'" So I was like, "Oh, well, that's kind
3: of awkward." She's like, "But my hotel room's like five minutes away." I was like, "Well, do you want to run to go get it?" She's like. Yeah okay, I'm gonna go run to go get it. So she runs off. The judge comes by. And she's like, uh, he's like, oh, your opponent's here. I was like, no, she ran to get her deck. He's like, well, that counts as her not being here. So the game lost. So I'm like, all right, fine. So he's like, when she gets back, just call me over. So she comes back like huffing and puffing because she just sprinted from one end of the hall to the other, up to her hotel room. And then she's like, okay, so we have to call the judge over. And I was like, I was like, no, it, it doesn't matter, you know. Like we're two and five. No one really cares. So I'm like, it doesn't bother it doesn't matter, let's just play. I win game one again.
0: <laughs>
3: and then I win the next two I lose the next two games.
0: Oh, That's no bizarre. good deed goes
1: unpunished.
2: Well yeah, I'm just
3: <laughs> sitting there going like man, I must have done really something really bad today for karma to just be like, you know what, I'm gonna crap on you right now. <laughs>
0: you got you got beat by a girl. <laughs> what? Wait, what? That, sir, no. That, that, we're moving magic further than that, sir. <laughs>
2: uh, it's only because it's Will.
0: I mean, you, you also got beat by a girl at two and five. <laughs> <laughs> so that it's not a very good girl. A, that showed up with a standard deck. The girl has nothing to do with this. He doesn't filter, but the dude shows up with legacy. He's like, oh, shoot, wrong deck. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, sorry, bra. <laughs> By the way, you got some Doritos. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, no, did I, you
2: play any side events at least?
3: Uh, no, I didn't. I figured that Karma was already pissed off of me enough that for one day, I was like, I'm not gonna test my luck.
1: <laughs> oh, <laughs> but, uh,
3: uh in more round. Like, I won uh, round, I round one, round one, and then I won round five. So I was two and three, and I was like, oh, I'm out of this, and this deck is awful, but I assume that the good players will be dropping, so I'm just gonna keep facing, like, worse competition and get my some wins. <laughs> round six, my opponent, in three games, plays five Thunder Mile <laughs> Kites. Wait, what? He had, the deck had two Elixirs of Immortality. So, after getting rid of one in two different games, (laughs) shuffles it back and draws it again.
1: Oh, wow. So, did you, like, kill a kitten or something? Because karma really took a dump on you.
0: (laughs) You guys are thinking about this half empty, though. Like, maybe he's just stocking up on karma for the next tournament.
3: That actually. I I like that. I really like that way of thinking. Yeah, see,
0: now next. Next still. It has to be a still tournament, though. You have to play a still tournament, and you're just going to open. Like, two sublime archangels and an Ajani or something
3: like that. <laughs> I so, felt uh, really bad for the, uh, the pool that I did open, though, because I'm like a master of opening awful pools. It had uh, two door to nothingness and three dual lands. <laughs> oh,
2: wow. Oh, man, so just you've got right? like, you <laughs> go to do it, right? You have to do it.
3: <laughs> well, the, like, the other reason why it dropped uh, for round, like after round eight for round nine was because uh, Hain was at... Uh, X and 3, right? So he was, like, eliminated, and he's playing the last round, and he's like, dude, there's one Battle of Wits. Like, I opened one. It's in my pool. And I'm like, you're, you're going to do it, aren't you? He's like, well, I can't do it Game 1, but, yeah, Game 2, I'm sideboarding into Battle of Wits. So I was like, well, I have to drop to go and see this.
2: <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> sure enough, Alexa, uh, he lost Game 1, and then Game 2 sideboarded into Battle of Wits. 240 cards.
0: And lost Game 2.
3: He did, but actually he, yeah. he, he, he like, drew lands and spells, so it wasn't actually, like, it was actually a game. Although what was funny was that after pile shuffling, like, twice, he mauled his seven, so pile <laughs> <laughs> shuffled <get> to six.
1: <laughs> so would, would winning with Door to Nothingness in a Battle of Wits deck in a draft be the most epic win possible?
0: I think winning with Battle of Wits in a Battle of Wits sealed deck is the most epic thing possible.
2: <laughs> it's at our M thirteen pre release we had a guy who opened two door to nothingness, uh, Boundless Realms, a two Gemma Becomings, a Gilded Lotus, and two duels.
3: He pretty so to play that.
2: He went three and two.
3: <laughs> wow.
2: Well, he won six games with Door to Nothingness. It was crazy. Like he had the perfect deck. He had giant scorpions and deadly recluses to sit behind while he built. And it was just like, ramp, 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 kill you. That's absurd. It was hilarious to watch it. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you for that amazing GP report, Well, <laughs> One day I hope to be absolutely nothing like you. Uh, Aww.
0: <laughs> you guys are mean to each other.
3: Uh, trust me, he deserves o- it. Only a lot. <laughs> um, also, my round one opponent thought that I was drawing extra cards at all times. It was good. I had, well, because I had a Diabolic Revelation in hand. So he's like, how many cards do you have? And I'm like, four in hand. He's like, okay, so I play Diabolic Revelation for three. So four minus one is three, then plus three, so I have six cards in hand. So I pass the turn, he's like, how many cards do you have in hand? I'm like, six. He's like, but you just had, like, you only had one card in hand. You had Diabolic Revelation, you should have three. I was like, I told you I had four cards in hand. He's like, no, you said you had one. Uh,
2: wow. Yeah, because four and one sound so much alike, right?
3: I was, I was like, so like... Maybe he held up four fingers and turned his hand sideways so it looked like a one. There's four different occasions. Like, uh, my <laughs> first land for the turn was an Evolving Wilds that I cracked <laughs> to go get a basic. And he's like, wait, like, why is there an extra card in play? I was like, because of the fetch land? He's like, you didn't draw an extra card? I was like, no. Was it
2: his first tournament? I, I I guess a lot of people get nervous about that sort of thing at their at their first tournament. Their first big tournament.
3: Yeah. It's possible yes. there were eighteen hundred people at that event.
2: It's pretty crazy.
0: Yeah, I, I it, it's kinda of funny on a, a cheating thing. It's like I'm at an open playing in a side draft or it was a side box tournament, like I O three or one 2 it or whatever. And I'm playing in this like win a box. And this guy is like thinking I'm cheating him. He's like he even said he's like, Oh no, I just I've met different pros and they're shady. And I was like, What do you even mean? I'm trying to win a box. If I lose if I lose this winner box, what did I lose? Fifteen dollars? And this is what I say to him. And I'm like, and if I get caught cheating, what I lose you know, a salary <laughs> like my job? Yeah. And and I'm like, you know pros like aren't gonna nickel and dime me like now, if we were playing the finals of the Pro Tour, it'd be a different story. And I just said that obviously I would never cheat him. But, like, then he went on full-blown, like, watching to see if I'd cheat him or not. Like, because I said, maybe I would do it. And I just don't get people that show up to these events that think people are going to cheat because they, like, worry so much about that that they have no idea how to actually play Magic. Like, at all. Like, I bet yeah. your round one opponent was just terrible.
3: And <laughs> round two and three and four... <laughs> there, there, there was a trend, but I was much worse than them. So, oh, <laughs>
2: oh man! Uh, funny anecdotes aside, the most interesting thing about your uh, articles recently, Brad, has been your fascination with Trading Post, uh, a fascination which I share. Oh, because that card is sweet. You've uh, you've built some crazy decks around it, and uh, I know Sam has tried a red. I'm on a red one. Uh, I've played black, white, and blue, black because uh, Tezzeret and Trading Post just seem made for each other.
0: I actually disagree with that. Ah, I completely disagree with that, and the reason that it is is I have a rule book for Trading Post, so this is no like, other four drops. No, well that that's also part of the rules, but the big rule is. No walking. No Planeswalkers in your trading post deck. And the reason for that is when you run Planeswalkers, you have to be more um, willing to commit slots to your deck to protect Planeswalkers. Now, I understand that Tezzeret protects itself on the ground, but it doesn't do a great job at protecting itself from a swarm that like zombies can produce, or the uh, like Delvers or Restoration Angels, things like that. Or, hmm. a, Ge- or a Geist. From Vapor snake. Tezzer, it's not good against Delver, and it's not good against the Zombie Swarm. So, what you have to do when you play Planeswalkers, let's just say, it doesn't even matter what Planeswalker, just think of how Planeswalkers work in Magic. What a Planeswalker does is it comes down early in the game, and it, like, gives you life, but the life is invested into a Planeswalker. And so now... You might be at 20 life, but the, the first four life points that you have that's invested in the Plainswalker are the most crucial that you have because you've invested resources into them. Uh, and, and so the, the best thing that trading post decks have going for them is that they can use life as a resource. So you can take extra damage setting things up, and you can refresh that with Worm Coil Engines, Theric Toss, and trading posts. But you don't actually have to worry about the board presence your opponent puts on the board right away because you're going to catch up with these powerful spells or wrath effects and you're trying to just gain inevitability using your life total as a resource since you can replenish it back. But now if you use your resources into Planeswalkers, then you must protect them. Then you have to invest more of your slots into cheaper removal and board advantage earlier in the game, and you can't um, use them later in the game. So you have to one-for-one one your opponent more than two-for-one them, and you're not going to have enough slots for your uh, drake Tusks and your Worm Coil engines and your Training Posts and your engine based around that. So even though Tesseract is a powerful card, it forces you to build your deck in a way that I don't think Trading Post is designed to build around.
2: Oh, okay. I mean, I had a fair bit of success uh, with it. Uh, I ran Black Suns uh, to sweep the board, mm-hmm. and I was, I was running Unwinding Clock. Yes, I know. <laughs> but with Pristine Talismans, I had Contagion Clasp, Tang, uh, Tumble Magnet, and Lux Cannon, and Trading Post was cycling things through and untapping itself, and it, the people were just couldn't break through the wall of just sheer advantage of board
1: position that I was getting. That, uh, that sounds like the epitome of Lansdellery.
0: Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I, I don't know what I should say after you said it. I'm sorry, I just don't actually know what I should say right now.
1: i'm a blew Brad Wilson's
0: mind. <laughs> <laughs> Can you just please be on my show next week? <laughs> so, I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. This is the point where I'm going to ask you. I will help you with the resources you need. But next week, Tuesday at 10 p.m. Eastern, I'm running another train wreck Tuesday, and you sound like <laughs> the perfect guy for the job. So the goal of next week is you have to assemble a poker hand uh, of permanent. So before you can attempt to kill your opponent, you must have a straight, two through six, one through five, zero through four. For you, probably six through eleven. I don't know, <laughs> six through ten, whatever you want it to be. You design a deck that has enough permits. Trading Post is actually a really good one. That deck sounds exactly what I want you to play on the on the show. You said Lux Cannon and two drops <laughs> and three drops class. Like as long as you have to, as long as you have permanents like two through six, then you can go for the kill but you can't attempt to kill your opponent until... Then. You can, like, put them at one before you have all your permanents correctly, but you can't put that final point of damage on them until you have the straight. And I would love it if you would be on my show.
2: Okay. Uh, well, obviously, I'm not going to turn that down. So what, th- this is in play or in your hand? I can presume it, it has to be in play, It has right? to be in yeah. play, yeah. You have to have okay. a
0: straight in play. Uh, and trading <laughs> post is, like, one of the perfect ones. I actually have a cool deck. I'm, I'm either teetering between a training post deck... Or a different one, and I'll probably just do the the other one. But Training Post is actually um, pretty fun, and people might want to watch me do that. And Training Post mirrors are actually really interesting. We only play one game, so you don't have to worry about a sideboard. Okay. Um, but yeah, you just build it. Uh, the less interaction, the better. You know, build your deck with limited um, limited uh, removal, so then they can like try to build theirs as well. I think that's the most that's the best way to to make it fun. But you sound that sounds awesome. Anyway, that deck sounds terrible. I don't really know how to respond to it. Because this is where you're talking to Brad Nelson about trading posts, and I respect my woman. And I don't want her to be messing around with people like me. I'm sorry. (laughs) Oh
2: man. You have solid
1: trading posts, Chris.
2: The deck the deck went four and one. It did well.
0: In what? FNM. Oh yeah, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I wouldn't. I wouldn't take it to a grand prix. I mean, I, you know, I, 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 I'll,
0: I'll take Training Post to a grand prix, but I'm not going to let her play with unwinding clock or luck cannon. <laughs> no, hey, man. I mean, we're actually we're, we're, we are on the same team. But the the thing that about Training Post that I like is it is a very dirtily fun magic card. But my goal is to just make make it actually a very competitive deck because. I think it can be, and it can be fun, and people love watching me play it or talking about it. I actually thought I was just going to bore people with talking about so much trading posts, but then like I read an article, the third article in a row about trading posts, and like the next person's like, "Yo, when's your next uh, piece of trading post coming out?" Like, I just I just need to, to read or see better lists. So I've been working even on a Jund list. Um, your deck seems way more fun than mine. Mine are boring. Mine's like I only run three trading posts.
2: Yeah, that's all I was running. Four is too many.
0: Yeah, four is a little too many.
2: So this junk list, uh, let me see if I can guess some of the cards in it. I'm guessing Wormcoil Engine.
0: Uh, the only, okay, so the only reason you play Trading Post... So the reason I liked it at the beginning was because Wormcoil was so bad against Delver, but if you had a sack outlet, it was so good. Yeah. They would, like, Vapor snake it, but then you'd make two 3-3s, three and they like have a tough time dealing with that. So, yeah, obviously I have three Wormcoils because they, it's the best card to work with trading Post. It's an end game against control decks, it is a board stabilizer against creature decks, and it and it works very well with trading posts and cavernous souls to beat Delver players.
2: So green is for Thrag Tusk. Yes.
0: And and a flashback.
2: On what? Ancient Grudge? Yes. Trackers Instinct? <laughs> <laughs> no. That's a <laughs> cool. <did> try. <laughs> <laughs> and so black is
0: for what? Black is for Black Sun Zenith. Uh, I want a couple board sweepers. Red, like I was playing red green, but uh, you didn't have any way to deal with like 4 4s or bigger. So I'm running right now two, maybe three Black Sun Zeniths. But the most important card that is being run is Curse of Death It's not only good against Delver, but it's the best card against Infect, as well as it's decent against zombies. So uh, it. It comes down, and it's very good against pipe versions of uh, Delver because once you kill other guys, then they can Morlun, hunt them back, and they can hit you with Pikes. But Curse really stops like Snapcasters, Delvers, and Morlun so it leaves them with, you know, Geist and Angel to deal with. <coughs> Excuse me. But uh, once you draw two Curses, they're like locked out of the game, and so I run two main, two sideboard, and then better removal spells, a couple Doomblades, and a go for the throat. And that's the black that's in the deck right now. Okay, yeah.
2: That's, um, that's a lot of the p- powerful cards that I have played with, with Trading Post. I'm, obviously, you've got, like, Wellsprings and Pristine Talisman in there. Are you playing the Endless Rest
0: in there? Yeah, I'm playing four Vessel of Endless Rest. No Pristine Talisman. Uh, my, huh. my life gain is Trading Post, Trig Tusk, Engine, but I want to make sure that I hit my colored mana. Also, the one thing that, like, really agitated me with Pristine Talisman is I want to play one mana removal spells, just because uh, it's cheap, so I can turn one, kill a guy. And right now, yeah. because I'm running Doomblades and go for the throat, I want that one mana removal to be Pillar of Flames, so it's better against Zombies. Sure. So, I wanted the removal spell though, to be able to be cast on turn three with Vessel. So it's like, that same thing I was talking about, you know, making sure your spells just work better together. And yeah. Christine never did that. I could never use that one mana, and it always, like, agitated me that I couldn't use it. The life was sometimes relevant, but I'll gain more life going. You know, they go messenger. I go vessel pillar of Life. Yeah, and
2: uh, that,
0: that and that gains you two life. And yeah, it, and that gains me two life there, uh, and even maybe more. So, uh, right now I'm playing vessel, and I think it's fine because not only do I want to cast curse, but I want to cast Threat tusk, and I don't want my mana base to have anything except four cavern souls and a forest. So I technically have you know um, eleven sources. With vessel included, and Christine Talisman would mean I'd have seven sources. That's just not enough.
2: And sometimes that put the card on the bottom is randomly relevant.
0: And, yeah, it's so sweet when it is, too. I love when the vessel is relevant. Like, even putting your own guy on the bottom. Uh, one time I got into a late game with, with a trading post mirror, and we're both just draw going, because neither of us can cast a draw spell. And, yeah. and we're, we have to like F six where like eight cards each and our times are going down. So literally we just have to F six each other. But I'm gonna lose this, but I have two vessels in my deck. So like a vessel puts something at the bottom and then he just snap concedes. <laughs> <laughs> oh jeez.
2: Yeah, sometimes the board does get clogged up uh, with, with trading. I mean, that'll course.
0: never happen. That but that did happen once. You know that's not sure. the reason for it. But yeah, I've taken boners. No. I've gotten uh, some grave crawlers before.
2: I played Endless Rest when I, I made a, a ramp into Primal Surge deck, uh, and I, I used Vessel over Sphere of the Suns because sometimes you need to tap it more than three times, mm. and the amount of times I would play turn three Vessel, put Elishnorn on the bottom of your library the turn before they get four mana was non-zero.
0: Oh, yeah, like against sprites or something? For sure. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah,
2: and I mean... You're playing the card anyway for that, not for that reason. But like you said, when when it does do something good, it's awesome. Mm-hmm. One card I tried to put in Trading Pose, and I, I was I tried briefly to make a mono green version. It was terrible. Don't do it. Um, was Izuri's Brigade because that card always seemed like it should be better than
0: it is. No, I don't think so. I, th- I think <laughs> it's exactly how good it should be.
2: <laughs> I mean, it's an eight-eight for four mana in that deck almost all the time.
0: Yeah, but for one more mana you get an 8-8 and something else gets bigger. <laughs> like, there's real server hard in the form. <laughs> I,
2: I suppose, yeah. There's <laughs> <laughs> Forgot all about that guy.
0: <laughs> yeah, like, Thraig Tusk is a better magic card. Like, the thing is, is it, if it doesn't pass the Snapcaster Mage test or it's not the biggest thing humanly possible, it's not good enough. Um, and... I think that card would be sweet for something like Trainwreck Tuesday, trying to make it work. If, like, the rules were there, like, maybe, like, one of the train wrecks could be no deck can cost more than $10, you know? Then maybe yeah. that would be sweet, and I don't know what the next shows are going to be. But right now, Magic is too powerful. I, I think it's a great game, and I love it, but the cards are just too damn good. Like, for the first Trainwreck Tuesday, I was, like, scrolling through all the cards in Standard, and I was like oh my god, all these cards are sweet. I didn't even know they existed.
1: Like, I feel jealous <laughs> so is it for, all like, the cards all the creatures are too good?
0: Yeah, it's all the creatures, a lot of the spells are too good. Like, magic's just amped up, the variance is pumped up a lot. But uh, you look at your Scars block, and I'm like, all these cards are awesome. Like, I played that one card, the anvil, that I could uh, pitch a card and make my cards cheaper. I was just casting, I blew some for, like, nine, and then I just start casting MindSavers for free. And I was like, yeah. people do this? This is how people play Magic? This is awesome. Why was I playing on Pro Tours for so many years?
2: <laughs> Semblitz Anvil is one of the... It's another one of those cards that I always thought, you know, this is just short of being awesome. It's the two-for-one potential that's kept it from ever being really played. I mean, yes. if you put a Solemn on that, you can play an artifact or a creature for cheaper. It's it's just stupid. Oh, yeah. I had
0: Silver Mirrors and uh, Percy and Metamorphs in the deck, so I definitely was doing that and like getting Metamorph value and stuff like that. It was, it was fun. like, uh, But, yeah, there's so many sweet cards in Magic, and uh, I think Trading Post, the version at least that I've been playing, is like the coolest thing you can do. Maybe the five-color control deck I've been playing, but from what I see people playing with, it's the coolest thing you can do that actually might be able to win. And the five-color control deck I've been playing, I haven't actually lost a match on Moto yet. I'm Or I lost one. I went three one in a daily, I four in a daily... And then I went and won three eight-mans in the last couple days. So that deck might be real.
2: Yeah, it sounds pretty good. Uh, You'll have to ship me a list so I can play it on Friday. Um, So, Travis, have you done any brewing with with Trading Post? Because you've got a chance to ask the master if there's anything you need (laughs) to know.
1: He's already told me mine's absolutely awful. I've been working on Green-White Trading Post with Rock's Faith Mender.
0: Oh, yeah, I worked on that already. It's not that
2: good. <laughs> but both Travis and I built a, a green-white deck, because Rock's Faith Mender is really good against zombies. They have uh, one spell to kill it, because mm-hmm. a lot of them are just running Tragic Slip, and it blocks everything in their deck without killing most of it, so you don't have to worry about Blood Artist and, and Faith Mender's coming... Oh, not Faithmenders, uh, Messages coming back. Plus, it gains you stupid life when you untap the next turn and cast a Thrag Tusk.
3: And then it totally
1: pants the zombies. <laughs>
0: And 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 if you have multiples of them, then like the three gains you twenty or forty
2: life. Oh yeah, it's, that's stupid. It's just stupid. I uh, I ended one game against zombies on seventy two life when I played the yeah. deck.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> but I mean, we, Travis and I went different ways. <laughs> I went I went more aggro, and I I I was worried about the deck doing nothing without a faith mender, so I went with like restoration angel and blade Splicers, and uh, I still had the option of turn one mana dude, turn two sword. Which is hard for pretty much any deck to come back from. And yeah, the deck was really fun to play in it, and it did powerful things. Travis had more controlling, and you haven't lost to zombies, have you, Travis?
1: Nope. I'm like 12 0 against zombies. I haven't lost a game to zombies yet. Have you beat Delver? Uh, I beat it twice last night. Really? Yeah, That's it's totally just basically you just gain enough left where they have to overcommit and then Day of Judgment.
0: Interesting. I'll have to see a list of your Faith Matter deck. Maybe I'll we'll have to play it for the streamers.
1: Putting Batterskull with Thragtusk as my life, big laughing life options really helped.
0: Oh, for sure, I bet so. I mean, you said Treading Post is in this deck, right?
1: Yep, just a couple. Yeah. Well, With so, the Wormcoil for the late game.
0: Okay, Wormcoil, yeah. I definitely think that Batterskull should not be in this in any Treading Post deck before, unless it's the fifth Wormcoil engine. Like, if your deck wants four Wormcoil engines, then run a Batterskull. But it's, like, a significantly worse magic card than... than uh, Wormcoil. Now, Batterskull was very good when you had had Mystic, but I actually think that Wormcoil is just by far a better card. I don't get why people play Batterskull and not a full set of Wormcoils.
2: Having said that, a Wormcoil with a Batterskull on it. Oh, I've done <laughs> that. That's sweet. I did
0: that before. I knew I knew that I didn't want both in the deck. I was like, well, I want my cards to curve correctly.
2: That doesn't feel
1: fair when you do that. <laughs>
0: I mean, you don't get double life link anymore, which kind of sucks. Unless you have no, unless you have the batter
1: spell is the one card that's really helped me against Delver, being able to the, let them uh, vapor snag the token and still have the card around to uh, equip something next turn. I mean,
0: I think that's the slot where that's why I want Thrag Tus more more than that too, right?
1: Oh, well, I've got the place at a Thrake Tusk here. This thing is as top heavy as can be.
0: <laughs> so you, I,
2: you, my,
1: I, I have one the, the last card of the deck I put in one Rancor That's my one one drop Wait what? <laughs>
0: this is this a Faith Mender deck With Rancor
2: in it? One Rancor well, put, Putting Rancor on a Faith Mender Is actually quite hilarious
0: You guys are madmen in here <laughs> Let me
1: show. Rancor And then eight About uh, eight two drops Are all Ramp Spells And then Oblivion Ring Beast Within Day of Judgment
0: I, I just I really want to see a Ranker on a wormhole engine now. Like I really just. Want to see. Oh, yes. like, it's you glorious. Have three, you have three blockers. Oh, but you're only at five life. Okay, we'll take that. I'll <laughs> put this Ranker on my wormhole engine. I have everything. GG.
2: <laughs> well, any questions uh, you can think of trading post wise?
3: Uh, no. I have I have nothing standard related. I'm like completely zoned out on standard. You've
1: joined the movement you for the greatest actually, demand.
0: Yeah, you actually just sound zoned out right
1: now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I need to take Brad's advice and I need to start looking for the
3: next sealed GP. Try and get that <laughs> karma to work for me.
1: Now, uh, Is I mean, it still really from the GP beating he took? <laughs> I can't
2: remember who said it, but someone said, if you're not playing Mindslaver in a trading post deck, you're doing it wrong because there's a lock there with no other cards.
0: Well, I, that's actually very easily, but it might be true, but the argument is just a win more. A lot of players, so, I did the show with Jerry last week, if anyone saw it, for GBTV, but yes. we were talking about how win more is this crutch that is so needed when players are moving from casual to competitive because you, your, your, your path is opened up to you. You can see how you win the game because your cards are so powerful. That's why people, you know, latch onto cards like Bloodbred Elm or Giraffe's Messenger or Primeval Evil Titan. All these cards are like, you can just see how good they are by looking at them. And now those cards aren't winmores, but it's the same mental state where people just starting the game will want to like, well, I don't know how to do combat, therefore I want the biggest creature. You probably don't need the biggest creature to win, but it's easier to win because of it. So a lot of people latch on to that mindset for way too long, and mind is actually a win more in this deck. I have not, I've found times where I want it, but I've never found a time where I needed it. And the one card that I like more than that is Spina Ishna because it's more flexible. It can deal with more permanence. Like I play uh, Nighthill Spellbomb in this version. So, like, other people's Mindsetters might not be a big issue. I also run Zell's Conscripts, so they have to have 10 mana before they do anything. Now, Zell's Conscripts is a card that I feel is a very needed card for your trading post decks because you have such an issue with Planeswalkers. So I want all these slots for the control matchups in my sideboard to not only be good against Primeval Titan decks, which Spine and Zell's Conscripts are great, because they play Primeval Titan and I just steal it and get the activated ability as well. And uh, or or kills Planeswalkers. So I think Mindslaver with the Trading Post combo is really awesome, but it is definitely a crutch uh, when you're building these Trading Post decks.
2: Oh, okay. Yeah, you know, Zealous Conscripts is one of the scariest cards in Standard for me. Uh, it's made me scared to play... Like, I, I played a reanimator deck that ran Gisela, oh. and... I was really, really scared every time I was playing against Naya because I'm like, well... I It's like you're not to give you the game.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
2: but once Gisela hits the board, it's scary how good she is.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Like, I don't think there are many decks out there that can ju- deal with her. Like, You have to bonfire for 10 to get rid of her. Yes. Which reminds me, wh- while I'm thinking, why is it... Now, I asked Sam about this when he had the mono-red deck and he said... It's too slow. Why, is the, why are Red Trading Post decks not running Bonfire?
0: So, this is actually something that so many... an actual disproportionate amount of people ask why this isn't played, to where I don't really understand why people don't see it, is that, Bonfire, you need a board presence to make the card good. So, Miracle in a Bonfire and dealing 5 damage and dealing 5 to the board is fine, but that 5 damage dealt to your opponent doesn't do anything because you're not an aggressive deck in a deck like Draeneful's. Now, if you go do 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 Miracle Bonfire, kill you, that's how the card works. So all Bonfire is, is in it, when it's in your opening hand, it's a 5-mana Whip Flare, it is a 7-mana storm, or it's a, like, 9-mana Wrath of God, where you can just play, like, Black Sun, Zena, Day of Judgment, Terminus. All these cards are higher impact. But now when you Miracle it, you can kill everything in play, but the damage is irrelevant. Irrelevant because you were a trading post attrition control deck. If that makes okay, any yeah. sense. So, it does. Yeah, bon- yeah bonfire is a super powerful magic card, but you only want it to run with guys because you just want to go. Not only can you accelerate into an early bonfire, so like when you draw it on turn three, you'll have a birds in play, so you can deal three to anything in play, but you get to attack them as well. So you just want to get them dead. Whereas this deck wants to control the game, so it doesn't want the high variance spells.
2: Okay, because I mean, <laughs> I thought, especially with the ability to draw on your opponent's turn, it might be worth playing. But I can certainly see what you're saying: by you, know, you don't have the board presence to make it worthwhile a lot of the time. And you don't
0: want to you don't want to make your strategy uh, reliant on miracles, right? You want your you like the thing about miracles is it adds variance, but it's so powerful in the right decks that it doesn't matter. If you're changing your game plan, but with a deck like like trading post, you, I mean, you played them before. You, you you think about your lines like three turns in advance, and then all of a sudden you draw a bonfire, and you're like, well, I wasn't going to kill everything in play, but now this is the only opportunity I can because if it goes back into my hand, then I can't kill anything with it. So it's just a dead draw step. So I guess I'm going to bonfire, even though I kind of want to play one coil engine. I mean, it's just random things like that. I think bonfire is very good, but you definitely just want to play it in. Like Naya or Red Green.
2: So, what about in in a, a black based trading post deck? What do you think of uh, Liliana, the Veil of the Veil? Yes,
0: uh, Liliana is is more of a removal spell than a planeswalker. So that is the only restriction when I talked about no walking in my planeswalker in my trading post decks. Mm. Um, but the issue I have with her is she doesn't beat Blade Slicer, Master, uh zombies, like, she's fine against Delver, but even good Delver players, like the, the high le- level Delver players, will play around Liliana very well. So, she's very narrow, and with with already playing Trigger Post, you have so many cards that are pretty slow and, and, and dirtily that you don't want your removal to not work. And plus, you don't even want to discard cards, because you gain better card advantage than everyone else. So, I mean... I've never really done anything with Liliana that powerful as opposed to just, like, some... Like, honestly, the best thing you can be doing right now in Magic is playing Wrath effects and and, uh, Cavernous Souls Thrag Tusk. I think it's just so powerful. Like, these are the effects that I want to be doing. Sun Titan into Image is also very good, so, like, the five-color solar flare deck that I'm working on is pretty decent, but I I, I don't want to actually do anything but just slam Thrag Tusk on the table. And after rotation, I'm going to
1: so you're saying that my green white deck isn't so bad since it has of Souls and Thractus,
0: It is. and wrath effects. I get. I, I, I've never installed your faith binder deck. I said that I tried doing one too. I have. I have a list right here. I, I can load one up right now. That's called life game. I have <laughs> it. It exists. You can go. You can go check my stream and find me playing a life game deck. That's
2: uh, that's something I would like to see. Life game people give it a bad name. But in a format with cards... With decks like Delver... Uh, well, yeah, Delver and Zombies, where... you know They actually can't recover from someone gaining 10 life. Yeah. It, it seems kind of relevant. Or 40. Uh, <laughs> or 40. <yeah. laughs> one creature. It also
0: feels very good when your Delver opponent has such a restrictive deck. Like, they're running their Ponders and their Thought hours and they're like little tiny Geist that deals six damage which is really scary on turn three but you're at like sixty life and you just get to play with them like, you get to toy with them you're like oh look oh, I guess yes. I'll, tap this I'll tap this pristine talisman and gain a million life that's what I'll do right now you know nice Geist attack I'll just tap these two pristine talismans with three faith matters and play and gain more than that I'm sorry
1: you <laughs> just watch the rage come over their face when that happens
0: Oh, and then they my cards play- are supposed to be better than that Oh, yeah, and then they stop and They just are frustrated. They're just like, that shouldn't happen. I'm playing Delver Secrets. I should always win.
2: And I lost to a life game deck? Yeah. <laughs> that's no, not even a real no, card. That's
0: not what happens. You say to them, you just lost to a life game deck. You have to let them know that. You have to put that in their head and inception that. And then tomorrow they'll be like, I lost a life game. And then the next time they see, like, what what's that called? Angelic, the format of game seven.
2: Uh, so Angel's Mercy? Angel's Mercy. The They're me.
0: also drafting Passage first pick.
2: Let's not quite go that far. <laughs> awesome. So one other thing I wanted to ask you about Trading Post. Is there another color combination you think that hasn't seen play yet, hasn't been tried yet that might work? Like maybe Blue-White or Grixis or something along those lines? Well,
0: I have... So I've done a video with Blue-White. I played Green-White online. I played Green-Red. I'm now playing John... I've played white, black, red, I've played white, black, I've played red, white, i played red, white, green, I've played blue, white, black, I've played blue, black, red. So I think the only one I haven't done is... Rug? Rug, yeah, I haven't done Rug yet. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's probably a very good reason for that.
0: Yeah, so... Yeah, I, I well, I guess technically all of them have been blue because I run Phyrexian Metamorph, but I don't think that counts. No. But the sweet it thing doesn't. is, every time you draw a vessel, you can tap for blue. Like this deck has eight sources of blue, you know, with vessel and cavernous. Soul, so a lot of times when I metamorphs don't want to, pay, I don't want to pay life for them. I actually have access to mana. So that I, that I geek out about all the time. It's like I'm playing a green red deck, but I have blue mana. <laughs> Oh,
2: jeez. The only competitive tournament I ever played in, because one of the drawbacks of being the judge in town is I don't actually get to play in anything yeah. competitive. Uh, we had someone visiting, and I got to play in a, in a Grand Prix trial. And I played this green-black monstrosity with Glissa and a whole bunch of utility artifacts that had, in the sideboard, three Praetor's Grasp. Uh,
0: what's Praetor's Grasp?
2: Oh, wow. The black-black one oh, you... Do, said
0: oh, oh, do tell. I'm listening.
2: So, the opponent... This was when Wolf Run was huge. And I knew I had... Not quite the same amount of ramp, but I had enough ramp to be okay against the Wolf Run decks. And I knew that if I could go turn to Praetor's Grasp and steal their Primeval Titan, I would probably be able to cast it before they found their own. <laughs> and I beat... I, I made it to the finals. I lost in the, in the finals of that tournament. And I beat three Wolf Run decks... Each one by resolving predator's grasp twice for primeval titan and once for Khan. <laughs>
0: That's awesome.
2: And then uh, copying it with my metamorph off of birds, oh, also yeah. tapping for blue. Oh, yeah, <laughs> so
0: the sort of like uh, the GP that I took second with the grand architect deck was the most fun turn I've ever played because I just played eight clones and I would play against like Wolf Run and all like my opponent would infernal titan and then I'd look at him I'd just look at him in the eyes and say you're not gonna like my turn. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. And I'd untap and make two Infernal Titans, kill his, and say go. And I felt like he's the biggest boss on the planet.
2: Yep. Now I actually played something similar to your, uh, to your uh, Grand Architect deck at uh, game day. But, of course, it had trading posts and Tesserets in it, so you would hate it. But... <laughs> It there was it was like three three worm coil engines on the table and then my opponent played um a Massacre Worm, so then I had a Massacre Worm because that seemed like something fun to do. And yeah, that was just fun. Like the the number of clones in the format right now, there are what, sixteen clones in the format right now? You could play sixteen clones? Yes, there's
0: it? evil twin clone, phantasm image, Praxian Metamorph.
2: And I guess if you want to include Quicksilver gargantuan, which is sort of a clone oh he's in the mix yeah <laughs> I, I
0: have to start no I need to know these cards because I'm doing this train wreck Tuesday
1: thing I need to know about these things isn't is <laughs> like isn't there a three mana semi clone uh
2: cryptoplasm
1: cryptoplasm yeah
2: which is actually quite funny because it comes down as a three mana tutu and then it copies anything on the board and each upkeep you can change it
0: oh yeah I forgot about that
2: it's probably good to forget about it. But I, I, <laughs> there was a time when I was fascinated with the Malera, um, etched monstrosity combo because the idea of paying five mana for a ten ten with no drawback seemed interesting to me. And, and Cryptoplasm worked with that.
0: <laughs> yeah, you, you do. You are perfect. I want to actually you for every show I do. I think I need to bring you on as a partner of mine and be like. What should we do for challenges? No, I'm, just, I'm actually serious. You're, I, I now want your help with my show. I'm, I, I, you're, you're on board, even if you want to. If you want to or not, <laughs> I'm making you help me with this. Just, I, I'm inexperienced. Like, I thought I could be a dirtle, but after coming on this show, I am. I'm a spike. I, I guess I'm always going to be a spike because I've never thought of any of these things.
1: I, 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 All right, we're going to have to name episode Land's Dirtle.
2: Yeah, by the way, this is a compliment. Oh, man. Uh, Just as a total random aside, we have to watch this later. Bob Meyer is doing an interview with Sheldon Mennery on the Players' Championship stream right now. I'm going to have to watch that later. Um, He never talks ever in public. Um, It's funny because I was just remarking to someone the other day, like, this is episode 49 of this podcast, and I have improved so much. Like, I would never consider playing... Monstrosity in any serious deck now, any like outside of EDH, and probably not even then unless it was a five-color deck. But the fact that at one point I thought that was a good combo—it's scary to me. But you know, if, if that's the kind of thing you're looking for and you need someone to help you out with ideas from a dirtle perspective, man, I'm all about it. Oh no,
0: yeah, I definitely would like to have a, a meeting with you about this project and tell you everything and my goals about it because. I really want camera Tuesday and future projects to be successful. And I want, I'm going to be investing a lot of my time. Like I wore myself thin setting it up and today was my first like break in I don't know, like 10 days. And then I fly out and, but I really want to do these things because uh, I, I just, I, I don't know. I just want to, I kind of want to be a dirtle. I just want to have fun with streaming. And not only do I think people are going to like it, but it gives me a chance to just have fun and do things I can't do on Star City Games. But I'm not as good of a dirtle as you, and it's, and it's disappointing.
1: <laughs> so, you're going to have to lambsdale Brad Nelson. Yeah, you have to teach me your around. Lam-
0: I fully feel that if I give up, or if I give in and start, start <laughs> talking to you about this, I will never have another opportunity to win a Pro Tour again. I fully understand, and I'm okay with this.
2: <laughs> oh, maybe we can come to some sort of like, arrangement where you teach me not to be terrible when it matters
0: oh, we to, yes this is this is going to be like a made for TV heartwarming movie where I teach you to be better and you teach me to be worse <laughs>
1: you two get beat in the middle
0: <laughs> yeah we'll be like we'll be like two of the giant partners and we'll like beat like Owen Turtonwald and like who's another for like Conley Woods in the finals or like something. <laughs> Tom Mar oh, we'll like beat two of the big people, and like we brought each other together there, and like people will hoist us up, and like, Rudy'll be there, we won't even know why he's there, when he's <laughs> there. I'm like are we uh, you'd be sitting into the booth, you be
2: yelling into the booth, yo
0: Adrian yeah, exactly it'll, be, it'll uh, be a wonderful moment. I can just picture it now,
2: you know what I, this reminds me of that show Perfect Strangers.
0: I've never seen that that's probably the.
2: No, I've got to be Balky. Balky was the idiot.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: you have to, you have to watch that on YouTube.
0: Okay, they, sure.
2: But they, they have this thing called the Dance of Joy. It's, it's pretty hilarious.
0: Awesome. Yeah, I'll, I will go look that up. Have you, have you seen the Day Nine Hundredth episode?
2: No, oh. I'm going to watch that. Okay. Uh, on your recommendation. Okay,
0: good. Well, it is like two hours long. I was going to say like you watch that if I watch this, and I know this is probably thirty seconds long. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Uh, Yeah, but that seems like an unfair deal. (laughs) All right. uh, We've been going for a little while, so we're going to move on to one of uh, our audience's favorite segments. Uh, I'll let you go last on this one, Brad. It's called The Random Moment of Geekery. And if you've listened to some of our previous episodes, you'll know this is the part where we talk about something we've done this week that's normally not related to magic, but is definitely ingrained in geek culture. So, Travis... Random Moment of Geekery.
1: All right. My Random Moment of Geekery is uh, Sequel-tology. If any of you are sports fans, you may know the site Grantland, run by the sports guy from ESPN. They're currently having a um, March Madness-style tournament of sequels to movies. Um, Their final, let's see, they're down to the Elite Eight right now. And they're trying to find what is the greatest sequel of all time. They've got The Godfather Part Two as the number one seed against Return of the Jedi, in the Elite Eight, uh, The Empire Strikes Back against The Dark Knight Rises, The Dark Knight versus Terminator Two, Aliens versus Indiana Jones in the Last Crusade. Um, I don't know if anybody's going to be able to take down The Godfather Part Two, but if uh, I'd love to see it get face off against The Dark Knight or Aliens in the finals.
2: That sounds incredibly interesting. I've seen half of those movies. So, yeah.
3: Did you see? They did something similar, but for soups. That one was awesome. That was awesome, too.
1: Yeah. If you don't regularly go to Grantland, it is a fantastic site. It is heavily sports uh, influenced, but they also have a good, just general pop culture uh, set of articles. And they do things like this all the time. They've got some fantastic stuff.
2: They did one for soups?
1: Soups, yeah, top sixty. Was that soups.
2: sponsored by Rashad Miller or something?
1: <laughs> no.
3: No, they had, they had they, it, like they what had soup su- what's the greatest soup of all time? Yeah, they had essays defending each soup.
2: Some people just have way too much time in their bowls. <laughs> that was terrible. Uh Will, do you have a random moment of geekery not related to heated liquid products?
3: <laughs> I do. It's from the GP. Uh I don't know if I mentioned it in the last cast, but whenever I go through, drive through a toll booth, I try and come up with some weird random saying that I can tell to the toll booth agent,
2: you know. Just may your futureness be filled with happiness?
3: So, something close to that. It was, may your futureness be filled with... Yeah, that was it. Okay. Which I had screwed up on. So, uh this time, uh, I was like, I'll say, uh, live long and prosper, right? And, like, actually, like, I was... Because I, I cannot do the V... I was like actively trying, and then I finally got it. So we pull up to the toll booth, and I give the dola- dollar to this lady who's like 75 years old. So, like, I actually get the V right, and I'm like, live long and prosper. And, like, as soon as I say it, she's like, and thee as well. Like, with this big smile, and I was just like, I just got owned by this old lady. <laughs> <laughs> that
1: seems to be the theme of your life
3: right now. <laughs>
2: <laughs> she was actually your round four opponent, wasn't she? I was just, like,
3: because, you know, most of the time they're just, like, shocked, don't know what to say, and they're like, uh, yeah, sure, but, like, right on cue, this, like, 75-year-old lady, and me as well, and I was like, that's it, I just got owned again, it's time to go home.
0: <laughs> that's
2: absurd. All right, just to give Brad a little more time, I will give my uh, moment of geekery, I'm a big fan of Gack Attack. Uh, these guys they do choreographed fights and scenes on YouTube, and one something they started doing is ultimate fan fights. They did the Captain America versus Batman last week, which was pretty cool. This week they did Scorpion from Mortal Kombat against Ryu from Street Fighter, and it's actually epic. You absolutely have to watch it. The link will be in the show notes. But it's got all of the trademark moves, like the, the special effects and the choreography on this thing is amazing. Uh, some of you might remember the Ninja Jedi video we did a few weeks ago that we put. We, well, it was months ago now that we uh, we spoke about in this segment. It's done by the same guys. Now it's not quite epic enough to have Ninja Jedi monks. Yeah, let that one sink in for a little while. But still, Ryu versus Scorpion with Dragon Punches and Spears and Fireballs. Yeah, it's, it just go watch it. All
0: right. So is it my turn now? Yes. Sir. And I, I can geek out about anything I want?
2: Yes, you can. Okay.
0: Well, in 50 minutes, actually, there's this tournament for StarCraft II. Now, I don't even play StarCraft II. I only watch it, and most of it's because of Day 9. But there's a tournament that's being played that I think is just this awesome idea that I would love to see Magic do, but it's called Trial of the Zelnaga. Naga. I don't even know if that's the way you pronounce it, but it's like the eight biggest Star- StarCraft pros get paired with the people in the audience to play 2v2s. So, like, <laughs> they're playing four prizes, but, like, the fans become part of the show, and they play... They have an eight-player bracket where they just single a limb to the winner, and, and different people in the audience get picked to play in this tournament, and then you're on a 2v2, so, like, you're like, alright, this is your partner, and then you get, like, five minutes to talk with your partner, and then you play Starcraft. So it's like, if, like, I would be up against least this round of a Pro Tour, and two people from the audience show up with their standard decks, you're like, well, what are you playing with? Oh, you have a pre-con. Well, let's try to win, I guess. And I think it's just this awesome, like, show, so it's like, the stream goes live in 50 minutes, so after this... I'm going to make myself some supper, and I'm going to just sit down and watch some uh, StarCraft stream. I have no idea what's going on, but I like it.
2: That sounds awesome. Can you imagine... like, If you take something like the Players' Championship right now, so you have 32 pros, and at random you pick 32 people with zero lifetime pro points and do a, a two-headed uh, giant event like this?
0: Yeah, it's awesome. This is something that should happen at Gen Con. Like... The, the This is me nitpicking at Watsy. So, has any any of you guys ever watched me do commentary for SCG?
1: Yes. Yes. Okay.
0: So, the what am I? I'm I'm casual and dirtily sometimes, but for the most part, I try to keep on the highest competitive like information as I possibly can. Like I, I I think if somebody's watching a tournament live. They're going to want, like, the really competitive stuff. So Wizards this weekend put up, like, all this production value for the, the the Players' Championships, where it's the 16 best Magic players in the world, and the commentary was just targeted towards casual players. And it's like, Martin Juza tried bluffing John Finkel, and it was, like, this awesome moment where it's like, is Finkel going to figure it out? Like, what's going through Finkel's mind? Is he processing the information? Like, did he see Martin Juza, like, wins? does he remember seeing, like, a Kindle Fury in the draft? Like, that's all the things going through his head. And they're like, well, does he have Kindle Fury? Oh, he blocks. Oh, and I guess I guess he didn't have a trick. And I was like, that's all you say? <laughs> like, this is like this, like, it was a soul read. It was, like, stats and, like, figuring out all the sweet stuff. And, yeah. and the, the WMC happened in Gen Con, and why not just have something even way cooler than that? Like, run a tournament where the fans become part of the show. Like, fan and pro, that sounds like such an awesome thing. So I've been, like, super looking forward to this. I want to take a look at this tournament, see if it's something that could, like, maybe, like, I could wink-wink at Wizards people to maybe try to run one of these. Because, I don't know, I think people would definitely want to play hand-in-hand with their favorite pros. It would kind of suck if you, like, get stuck with the pro you don't want to play with, right? Like, (laughs) man, I didn't really want, Brad, I wanted to win.
2: (laughs) Well, you know, you you do work in a place that you know has some influence. Just pop across the hall and talk to Jared.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, maybe we could do something with Star City. Well, the problem with Star City. We'd have to like, the, there's there's some names, but I don't think there's a, there's not enough star power. You need the star power of wizards, right? You need the actual pros of the game, like Jerry and I and Drew and all of us. But like the the it get, the list gets very short after a while, to where I know all these players, but people at home wouldn't. I mean. When your 32nd player is like, you know, Adam Yurchik or, or Cedric or people like this, and now I'm not digging at those players as the 32 and they're bad, I'm saying, like, those are names people know. When, when, that, that if they were put money on the line and they're invited to this tournament, I think they would attend. Sure. Um... But it would definitely. I think you need the pull that Watsy would have to actually run this this production the way that I at least envision it. I guess I have to watch it. But Starcraft actually has the production level of their stuff is just so good that I, I, I I'm actually very scared that I'm losing my edge when I'm watching the Wizards coverage and I'm watching Starcraft coverage and all I'm talking about is the like the production quality and like ooh I want to went to that camera I would to want to the other camera. <laughs> like I'm starting to invest into that kind of stuff, and like streaming, I'm like, hmm, should my angle be to the left up or the bottom right? What should I? What uh, should I do?
1: I would. I think wizards need to send all their video crew to like a, a camp with the WWE video crews.
2: Absolutely, <laughs>
1: WWE. Their I mean, their production values are outstanding and have been for decades.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, but they have to because they have to be really snappy, right? It's not. It, the cool thing about, like, wrestling camera and production value is it's so fast-paced without even knowing that it's fast-paced. Like, it's just a dude talking with a microphone for 15 minutes. That has to be the most boring thing you've ever seen. Like, throw a chair over this guy's head. Why is he talking? But when you watch it on TV, it's like, yeah, I'm interested. Like, keep going. I I don't care what you're talking about. This is fine. Like, because there's so many different camera angles and yeah, I, I know what you mean. That would actually be pretty sweet. But you can't that, they do them. a
1: great—they have a great sense of letting, um, letting the performers speak versus the, uh, not just physically speak, but speak with their actions versus the commentators themselves. Yes. The correlation between the two is—it's better than most other sports the way they do it.
2: But that only works, and I mean, I actually wrote part of an article about this because I, I strongly think that magic coverage can learn a lot from wrestling. It only works because we are invested in the characters of the wrestlers. There are very few players, pro players, that we as an audience are invested in their personality. And I think if, if the coverage did a better job of that, gave us little vignettes about certain players, and you know, gave us a little history, gave us a little insight into their background, maybe even some sort of, I grew up in this sort of a place, like uh, Rich Hagon did with your book, yep. Brad, your e-book. Like, that sort of thing makes us know you as a person and gets us emotionally invested in cheering for you, not just based on the fact that, oh, I like your tweets.
1: Exactly. They need some good vignettes.
0: Well, it's actually kind of cool. So I would like, I mean, not with the production, but actually the commentary. I'm going back to my stomping ground to commentate for the first time. I know most of the big names from Minnesota and Fargo. And that's actually what I was going to push for is... I was going to try to do story arcs for the players that no one has any idea who they are. Not just because the only people that most people will know in that area is Matthias Hahn, Brandon Nelson, and Corey Baumeister, my brother. Yeah. So there's not a big many names there. So I was just going to tell their stories regardless of interest or not. I was just going to be like, Well, <laughs> this guy won this.
1: See, game that sounds like so a good. fantastic idea. Yeah, and just you're take some of the around. some of the people who are not going to finish day two at a GP and tell their story throughout the day.
0: Well, I mean, this is an open, so, yeah, but it's different. But, yeah, I'm going to, any piece of information I have about these people, which I know a lot of them, like, one guy has actually built every, every format has, a, like, block. He builds the block decks and saves them. So he has these, like, two, like, huge 5,000-count boxes of block decks. And when I went in gunsling in Minnesota, I ended up stop playing my SILB and just start block battling people. Like, what block do you want to play? Because this is awesome. <laughs> Like some Kai Bude like invasion block deck, and I'm like, what are all these cards like? Conf- like the the draw for each kind of basic you have not played? Like you got to play with cards like this before. This is amazing.
2: <laughs> that sounds cool. I mean, you just snap pick as a saga block, obviously. But <laughs> well, I mean, you,
0: you play block versus the same block.
2: Yeah. Did you ever play that format with academy?
0: No, i i started playing oh. I started playing Magic when uh, when Fetchlands came out in Onslaught. Because that's... I remember the first pack I opened was a foil-polluted Delta, and I hated it, and I traded it for an elf. Oops. Yeah, well, I I obviously didn't know. But, yeah, the first pack I ever opened was a foil-polluted Delta. I remember that.
2: Yeah, that that was crazy. I would uh, normally be glued to the TV watching you guys, but I'm playing in the Magic Online Judge Open on Saturday, which I'll be
0: streaming. Well, I'm not... No. No, you watch me stream. You don't stream (laughs) yourself, no. I am not here for the community. I'm here for my own (laughs) free... (laughs) <laughs> uh, yeah, whatever. I don't even know where I'm going with that. Yeah, that'll
1: be awesome. I will good. casually hey. glance at both of your streams while I'm watching college football. Sounds good.
2: <laughs> it's, it's unfortunately M13 sealed, but uh, yeah, I'm probably going to stream at least a few rounds of it and see how that goes. But I'll be watching on Sunday for Legacy That's awesome. and tweeting at you furiously.
0: Yes, you should. I'll try to respond furiously as well. Like, if I see you tweet at me, I will just like, grab my phone and look really angry while I, you. <laughs> I uh
2: you. I tend to tweet a lot for the rules stuff, uh, I, mainly because I like hearing my name on stream, but also
0: <laughs> because
2: I'm watching and I know a lot of the time the people in the booth aren't necessarily up on the rules, so I like to try and help well, out that way. You
0: it, and this stream will get a big plug uh, <laughs> while I'm doing commentary. You don't worry.
2: Awesome. Excellent. All right, let's move to shout outs and see if we can uh, get this baby wrapped up. Uh, Travis, shout out, sir. Uh,
1: come back to me.
0: Please well, explain shout me out. what the shout-out is. What am I shouting? Am I literally shouting something?
1: Or am I doing
0: <laughs> <you know>, a shout <laughs> <out>? please, <laughs> please explain what the show is about, guys.
1: <laughs> this is you where use your good good. Name your social security number and rank, soldier. Oh, okay, so
2: that is
0: 573. <laughs>
2: <laughs> this is where we give people props and, you know, just say hi to people that uh, have, you know, just been cool or whatever.
0: Yeah. Just, just... You know. well, I, have, I have a long list so you guys can actually just hold off. And, yes, I, I I think I did tell you, Chris, that you would have to tell me to shut up during the show because I talk all the time because I can't That's... stop. people. But my shout-out list is very long because um, for anyone that we've been talking about this all stream or all podcast, Trainwreck Tuesdays is a show I just started doing uh, streaming. Um, I'm FFFreakMTG. I guess that'll probably be down. There'll be a link, I'm guessing. Yes. But a lot of people pitched in and helped me this week um, with all the different angles of getting the show because the idea happened and the show came out within six days. So wow. the general idea, yeah, I, pu- I just pushed it through. I steamrolled it. I'm like, I'm going to make sure I commit to this and I'm going to start doing it because I don't want to back down and I can't back down once I start making it. And uh, so, like, Liz Nugent drew a lot of the art for me. Uh, Choi is a new director of ours. And Jonathan Choi, he helped me with lighting and camera angles. And Ruben helped me with uh, a little bit of storytelling, just telling me to not overact. That was something that I do that I didn't think about. now, like to stop overacting and, yeah. and talk to my diaphragm. But the, one of the biggest helps was um, Matt Itell. Matt Itell is a, a guy that came down and just hung out, and he, like, jumped on, and he became my director. So, So when I'm streaming the show, I don't want to look at the chat, but I want to interact with people and give prizes away. But I don't want to sit there and just read the chat all the time. So he actually just sent me aims of interesting things people said, or winners, or anything that, like, any problems that they're having. Like, if they were having noise problems, that he would just tell me in the chat. So he was, like, watching the stream while being a pseudo director, which was awesome. And not only did he help me, like, frame some stuff with some cool stuff, but he, like, helped fix my computer and helped me with HTML. Like, he was the, he is the, he's behind the scenes of Traderact Tuesdays, and he continued, he will continue to be. And uh, he's like my biggest shout out. But I really want to just thank everyone that helped me with the first show because I think it's going to be a big success. And to all the fans that are sending me requests to play or ideas to change it. So that those are my shout outs.
2: Awesome. Thank you. Well, shout out, Seth.
3: Yes. Uh, first, to that random toll booth lady. That <laughs> was fantastic. <laughs> uh, second, to the waitress at the diner, one of the. Things I always want to do in life is have uh, lemon meringue uh, pie. Is to
2: be a waitress?
3: <laughs> is <laughs> Nice try. Is have a uh, lemon meringue pie in a roadside diner. So I kind of got, like, say, halfway there. They didn't have any lemon well, meringue pie, but I did have blueberry pie in a roadside well, diner, which was fantastic. So a shout-out to that you, lady for recommending it.
2: You need to get some better life goals, my friend.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Just something Just I want to do. Simple things that matter for sure not the worst uh, then a shout out to the three guys I went down to GP in Boston with uh, Kirk who I just kind of like dropped him off and he disappeared till like the end of the weekend where he's like okay time to go home and I was like where were you all weekend uh, to Eugene who came up with the fantastic game of Barry or Kenny and the way it works is whenever someone asks you a question you either answer with Barry or Kenny so for example someone was like oh yeah are you guys going to eat and then we were like Barry And they didn't understand what was going on, but every time we were able to do that, it was worth one point, though we didn't keep track. I know, that's fine. You guys don't have to understand either. (laughs) Uh, Then a shout-out to KYT, who, he made day two, though uh, his record on day two was...
2: uh, Almost as good as yours on day one.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Sure, almost (laughs) as good And uh, finally, a shout-out to Brad for coming on the show. It's uh, absolutely oh, awesome you. to have you on, and uh, it was uh, it was enjoyable as a cast.
0: Thank you. I, it was a blast. I, I definitely had a ton of fun doing this, and uh, I'll come back again if it ever happens, but uh, you guys have to send Chris my way for next Tuesday.
3: Oh, we will. We'll make sure he has his uh, mono-clone deck built for you.
0: <laughs> you may regret right.
3: saying that to us.
0: <laughs> no, I will not, because it'll be awesome.
2: There's a very good chance they won't uh, let me come back if they send me away.
0: <laughs> <laughs> They're like, dude, you left. I'm sorry.
2: you <laughs> not going yeah. to
0: anymore. The seat's taken. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, Travis, you ready, sir?
1: Uh, yes, I'm just going to give uh, two quick shout-outs to Cardboard Witch and Revised Angel this week for keeping me uh, sane in the countdown up the football season.
2: <laughs> <laughs> On what plane are you saying... Good point. <laughs> Keeping
1: me from going on a killing spree until football. There we go. All right, yeah.
2: Oh. Uh, my shout outs. First of all, I forgot this last week. I want to give a shout out to TJ Timebomb on Twitter for recommending the show Misfits to me.
0: <gasps> I was watching this, this last weekend. It's so good.
2: I can't really recommend it to anyone who hasn't got patience for slang. Um, but if you have patience for slang, it's hilarious and it's really, really good. I've only seen the first six episodes, but the first six felt like all three seasons of Heroes put together, which I think I said last week.
0: Yeah, it's it's an awesome, yeah, the show's, like, just grind through it all, it's amazing.
2: It, yeah, it's a really unique take on it, and it, I mean, the British slang is just felt like home for me, but there are some people who would probably find it a bit uh, daunting, I would imagine. Uh, I want, obviously, a shout-out to Brad. Thanks so much for joining us. You are more than welcome to come back anytime you want, literally anytime.
0: <laughs> I'll just be a normal person on it. <laughs> hey, listen, don't tell me. I, I, <laughs> I am that friend that needs a place to crash for the weekend and is still there on Monday, just so you guys know.
2: <laughs> That's cool. I, have, <laughs> uh, sp- I got a spare room, and, you know, you can catalog my cards in your spare time. Oh, at, God, at I don't to even do that
0: with my own stuff. <laughs> There's a
2: picture on Facebook of my dining room table because there were always kids asking me like, "Oh, do you have two vapor snag I can borrow?" I'm like, "Kid, if you come to my house and find two vapor snag, you can keep them." And they never understood why, so I posted a picture of my dining room table, which is just my unsorted commons and uncommons, and they don't ask anymore.
1: <laughs> See, you guys just gotta go ahead and get married. That's what my wife does. She sit in for hours sorted my cards. Um, I've got like five of the ten thousand stacked boxes of them. She sorted them all by herself, so just get married. Why would
0: she do that?
1: Because she's a type A personality.
0: That's ridiculous. You she enjoyed what? it. That is messed up.
2: I was married. I, uh, I Mulligan that marriage. Shipped it back for another six.
0: Ooh! <laughs> I've, yep. ne- I've never opened a booster pack. <laughs> <laughs> Don't, don't be in a hurry. Close the magic community.
2: Keep keep them for drafting.
1: <laughs> just keep shuffling your deck.
2: <laughs> oh, man, just keep goldfishing that shit.
0: I, um, I really love these innuendos. They're so good. I know, right? You cool. should know what we're talking about. And if you don't, <laughs> your balls will drop soon enough. <laughs>
2: I don't think we can possibly top that. So, I think on that note, we're going to wrap this one up. So, for Travis, for Will, for Adina who had to go back to work, and for very special guest Brad Nelson, this is Chris saying, "Join us again next time for another exciting episode of Horde of Notion."
3: Brad Nelson. Brad Nelson. Brad Nelson was a cure. Brad Nelson. Brad Nelson, Brad Nelson. Brad, bride,
1: Brad Nelson. Nelson made a big mistake. Fred Nelson did an upset. Tell Nelson did it somersault. Nielsen, like a somersault. Fred Nelson tricked my drinking track. Brad Nelson made seen. a mistake. Fred he he Nelson jumped late. Fred Nelson jumped the gate. Fred Nelson stood late. Fred Nelson made him. a mouth. Fred Nelson he jammed around. Fred Nelson hurt oh, him shit. in the head. Damn and it. Him in his butt. We ran out of song, man. Fred
2: Nelson.